I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, OTB Nation? Welcome in to episode number 239 of the allegedly award-nominated, still think, number nine ranked, and of course viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's Keeb. Keeb. (laughs) It's been a long week, ladies and gents. It's been a long week. It's KB and Deej coming at you. From Underground Studios, it is our PLL Championship Game Preview episode. Yes, I want to preface this at the top of the show. We know the NLL draft happened this past week. You all know we are big NLL junkies, big NLL heads, stands, aficionados, if you will. We know a lot of NLL shit has happened over the past couple of weeks that we haven't talked about. But guess what? This is the last week of the PLL. In terms of games, in terms of DJ coming out on the road, in terms of us having to, you know, go places to cover games and everything. So once that settles down, and once there's not that much PLL news to talk about, because the season's, you know, at a rest, we're going to talk about the NLL draft. We're going to have guests on to help us talk about the NLL draft. Because unlike years past, I think DJ and I knew about, like, collectively going in of the players that we knew, like, offhand that were eligible were, like, 10. And then, obviously, as the draft went on, you realize more players and stuff like that. But we're going to save the NLL banter for uh, the next couple of weeks. So, PLL stands. Buckle in. We're going to recap DC, which was a wonderful weekend outside of some parking issues. Um, but we're going to say this at the top of the show, too. Before we even get into the business of the show. It's championship week. If you're an OG of this podcast, you know in 2019, we went big and we had two guests on one show. We had Scott Ratliff and Ryder Garnsey. And then in the bubble, we were pumping out guests left and right for y'all. This is this is uh, BD, before DJ. This is OTB BD. <laughs> we had Joe Nardell and Andy Towers. And then last year... We said, let's just go fucking big. We're back in person, going to PLL games, covering games. So we had Kyle Jackson. We had Ian McKay. And we had Jay Carlson. Well, we're going big again. It's a three-guest episode. We have Jack Rowlett coming back. Now a recurring guest. 
Jack Rowlett will be on this episode later on in the show. We have Eli Gobrecht returning to the program. Another recurring guest coming on the show. And then, cue the ladies and gentlemen, we got him. One of our white whale guests. And yes, you're probably thinking, how is this guy a white whale? KB, you've been around him for the last four years. Almost year round. Well, we finally got him. The one and only. Two-time goalie of the year. 2021 PLL regular season and championship game MVP and 2021 Chaos Lacrosse Club championship goalie. He put a ring on that thing. Blaze Reardon will also be joining us on this episode. Agent Zero coming through, ready to bring the chaos. So yes, you heard that correct. Jack Rowlett, Eli Gobrecht, and Blaze Reardon. We got three All-Stars on the show this week. So buckle up because it's a blast. All of the interviews, fantastic. And you're not going to want to miss them. So that's why you got to follow us at OTB Pod to show more people that, hey, look, these guys get guests. They do it big. They have big-time stuff on this show. Follow us at OTB Laxpod, Twitter and Instagram. Follow the network at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed. This should be our number one most downloaded episode. Like, I'm not even joking, y'all. Run this motherfucking thing up to the moon. Blaze Reardon, Jack Rowlett, and Eli Gobrecht all on one episode should be doing numbies. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the hell you get your podcasts, listen to this some bitch. Leave a five-star rating and review on Spotify and Apple. Give us your championship game predictions on the Apple Podcast reviews. Because the more people that subscribe, download the show, leave reviews and ratings, it helps more people find the show and helps more people join OTB Nation. And of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of OTB every single week. You get full video episodes of every Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast. And DJ, I figured, because at the time of us recording this portion... We have not spoken to Blaze yet. I figured we'd save the best for last and we would, you know, go back to the, the crowdsourcing like we did with Nat St. Laurent and we asked Blaze for his insight on our leg of the hashtag Road to 1K Gauntlet Challenge, which is Underground Sports Philadelphia's YouTube channel. We get to a thousand subscribers. Each podcast on our network will be doing something different. We're still thinking of our leg. The main pod's still thinking of our leg. Getting the whole still thinking of theirs as well. Uh, but I feel like Blaze will have something very fun and creative for us to uh, dabble into. So stay tuned for that because you'll hear it later on in the show. But subscribe to the YouTube channel. You'll get to see DJ and I's beautiful faces. You get to see Eli and Jack's beautiful faces. Blaze's beautiful face. And uh, just fun video elements because later on in this episode too we have an exclusive do review. You get to see our reactions to that. Uh, so go over to YouTube, 
Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Smash that like button. Click the subscribe button. Ring the bell icon. Comment your championship game predictions. And uh, get us to 1K. Get us to 1K. Big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades. I know summertime is slowly coming to an end logistically, but it's still bright outside like every fucking day of the year pretty much, unless you live in Alaska when it's dark six months of the year and not dark six months of the year. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Deed, show off the hat for the people. Show off the lid. The Kenny Rope hats. Beautiful stuff. You can get yours at KenwoodBeer.com. You can also get the It's a Bad Day to Be a Kenny t-shirt for a limited time. They're going quick. And you can use that all-new and improved Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. I know one way or another, DJ is going to be cracking back some Kennys this weekend. you got to be 21 or older to do so. Of course, please drink responsibly. And the homies over at Bino every single week leading up to the World Cup, guys. Bino board is dropping World Cup-inspired boards. Very timely drop for this week's dj as everyone's listening and watching to the uh this episode Bino will be dropping their team england board very timely stuff uh as timely news has happened in england over the past week uh you can get your team england your team france team germany all the World Cup uh, needs, because I feel like if you're having any sort of World Cup viewing parties, anything like that, you need a Bino board on the coffee table. You need it at your tailgates. You need it everywhere. So go to BinoBoard.com. Use code BinoUSP. That's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P for 10% off your order at BinoBoard.com. Deed, should we tell everybody about the parking situation first before we even, like, pseudo-recap everything that happened in D.C.? Because Washington, D.C., you guys need to figure your fucking parking situations out because my god trying to charge people and uh, and successfully charging people 90 fucking dollars to park is the most ludicrous thing which dj and i almost had a heart attack when we had to pay 55 dollars to park in a parking garage at fenway park in boston 90 dollars is absurd if you think you're doing you're you're parking attending correctly you can fuck all the way off if you're thinking ninety dollars eighty dollars like i asked everybody at my my day job the the old the old pay the bills job deej what their limit would be before they decide no i'm gonna go find a new lot i told them my max you know depending on what the event was where we were my max normally obviously fenway was kind of an anomaly my max normally is $40. If I see 40, I'll be like, "Okay, I'll bite the bullet and, you know, I'll pay the 40." But normally I'm in that sweet spot of anywhere from 15 to 25. That's like pristine. Unless we park it for free, which y'all know, if you know where to park for free in Philly, you're a real one cuz we know where to park when we're down at the stadiums. $90 was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. And I wanted to slap those dudes in the face. I was this close to really losing my temper. But I said, I know DJ doesn't have bail money. So I didn't want to get locked up in the nation's capital. And potentially be next to the dude with the yak fucking 
pelt that uh, rushed the Capitol on January 6th? <clears throat> Listen, I may not have had bail money on me, bro, but I would not have let you stay there. I definitely could have. <laughs> you probably would have been joining me because you were equally as point, appalled. Oh yeah, bro. <laughs> I heard that, bro, and I looked at you because, like, I was man. I wanted you to pull your wallet out so I could punch you, bro. Like, I really. I'm not. I might be dumb, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> thank God, because I was not gonna let you pay that much. It was. But I think that's the most. The I think that's the most like pissed off you've heard me. Yeah, like I was, I was audibly living disgusted because yeah. that was the same parking lot we parked in last year for the same type of event, and it was for a free. bigger event because it was a championship game, and we parked there for free. And then they had the gall to say, "Well, if you're gonna park here, you're gonna pay ninety dollars." I said, "You can get the fuck out of here with that." Yeah, I wanted to walk by them after we found our beautiful $20. piece of gravel. $20 shout out got to pay with Venmo for parking for the first time um I, I'm really thinking bro he had nothing to do with that bro he just started telling people they could oh park yeah there for $20 hey yeah, I respect the hustle got a bag and went home <laughs> I respect that hustle I am not mad at him because at you know how much money he probably made with oh, people yeah. circling around, finding $20 to park, and not having to deal with the bullshit of Washington, D.C. He made a couple hundred dollars and Easy. went home, had a good meal, a couple beers, and a nice time. Easy. Easy. Shout out to the homie. Um, but $90 to park, you can fuck all the way off. And D.C., outside of that, it's pretty solid, I would say. The parking situation, pretty piss poor. You know, we talk, you and I talk about uh, places we would like to see the PL continue to go, potentially go, never go back to. This is it. On I I am fully in on Audi Field joining Red Bull Arena on a place they never go back to again. And if they do, make it the regular season. And even then... Fuck them. Don't go back <laughs> because it was just not worth the hassle. Not There's not enough parking, and that just drove me absolutely livid. So, Audi Field, your parking situation absolutely sucks. A fat one, and uh, rest in piss, bozos. But the games, some of the best games of the entire season. The Water Dogs win a one-goal game against the Whips for the... <laughs> Third straight game, those two teams go to a one-goal game. The Water Dogs are advancing to the championship game, as you heard, because Eli Gobrecht is on the show this week. Uh, and then Chaos pull another upset. They beat a higher seed, and they beat the Archers 9-7. Shout-out to the Wet Shorts. If you know, you know. So we got Water Dogs and Chaos. Overall, I thought those two games in D.C., Two two of the best seven games we saw all season long. Hands down, we were listing them off as we were leaving the press conferences and stuff. Like, I think those two games go in the same pantheon as Water Dogs Atlas in Denver, Atlas Redwoods in Fairfield. Um, trying to think of the other ones we rattled off. Uh, Water Dogs Chrome in Fairfield. Yeah. Um, Redwoods Cannons in Denver. And even though they weren't fully stacked, 
Chaos Whip Snakes in Albany was ugly, but it was close. Yep. Um, you know, I think these two games in there, in that discussion of like best games of the year. 1000%. I mean, the games were fantastic. Um, we surprisingly kept our cool in the press box. Press box was pretty, pretty mellow for the most part, but like there was a lot of, oh my gods. And like, did he really just do that? And like, no way. And like, <laughs> we did have some fun with Pulski and Dan though. Yeah, Pulski goes, oh my god, he broke his stick. <laughs> and we got that guy on the pod later. So shout out to Eli. We should have asked him about that. Yeah, we dropped the ball there. We'll have to circle back in a presser and yeah, or something, and be like, "Yo, so the total obliteration of of Rambo's stick. What was that about? Was that anger? Was that just hitting the sweet spot? Like, what? What's up?" Um, but yeah, I mean, semifinals were great. We got a fantastic championship game matchup, in my opinion. Um. Water Dogs first championship game appearance, Chaos third straight championship game appearance, and uh, you know they've been to all four semifinal weekends as well. So shout out to AT and crew. I think this matchup in particular is very cool because, from our perspective, like we're yes we're in the media, but we're not your traditional Big J Journo media. Like we've created bonds and friendships with a lot of guys on both of these teams. Like, and to see. Uh, just two teams that we really fuck with that really get down with us, support what we do, are willing to come on our show whenever, I think is really cool. Like, and not that Whip Snakes don't have those guys, but it's also nice to have variety as well. Um, and to see a new team for the very first time in a championship game setting is very, very cool because you look at every single championship game, there's only been four teams to ever make it to the PLL championship. Whips, Redwoods, Chaos, and now Water Dogs. Yep. It's crazy to think about. And Water Dogs, the first expansion team to make it as well. Um, and I mean, for me personally too, like AT and Copeland have been phenomenal human beings to me. And since you've jumped on the show as well, starting last year to you as well, um, Cope, popped on the pod a few times i think before you started co-hosting we ha- we obviously had him on like the first we were his first interview after getting hired um so i always take pride in that that you know we got the barstool team to uh <laughs> hand over their coach to us first um but cope's been fantastic to us since day one at is obviously one of our guys through and through and like both of them we we consider them like they're part of the otb coaching staff um so, you know, waking up that next day after D.C., it was really cool to be like, wow, two head coaches that really get down with our content, support us, are going toe-to-toe against each other for a championship. Like, that's just a really cool feeling for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way as well. Like, and looking at all the players that have been on our show, listened to our show, like, Obviously, Blaze is going to be a first-timer this week. So, like, you think about Blaze, Jack Rowlett, Troy Ray, Jared Newman, Ian McKay, Dane Smith, Kyle Jackson, Challen Rogers. Um, trying to think of I'm forgetting anybody from Chaos. Josh Byrne. <laughs> I mean, Josh Byrne loves us in the press conferences. Um, 
you know, that chaos squad <laughs> that's easily, you know, nine guys that I just rattled off who have been on the show, uh, who get down with us. And you think back to 2020 as well, Curtis Dixon, um, as well. And then you look at, you know, this water dog squad, Eli, Dylan Ward, Andy Copeland, Jake Withers has been following along with us for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I covered Liam Burns when he was with the Wings year one, so I've been around Liam for quite some time. Um, Kieran giving us <laughs> some love in the press conference, uh, which was really sick. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that support us, and it's cool to see them get that opportunity to go out and compete for a championship. Yeah, and I mean, I think that gives us a big opportunity, you know, because – you know, like you said, like you mentioned, Kieran, and giving us love in the press conference. Like, a lot of people are going to see that, you know, when that goes up on YouTube and stuff. It's like, he literally goes, thanks for the love on Twitter. Like, you know, like, that's awesome. Like, that's that's exactly, like, that just feels good to us. Like, yeah. whether anybody else hears that or not, it's just nice for us to hear that. But also, like, because we pump these guys so up so much and, you know, they come on our pod and they mess with us so heavy, like, people are going to see and like we're going to have opportunities and insight that other people aren't going to have because we're so tight you know so it's like that's what i get out of this is like it's awesome that they're getting this opportunity because like it's good for them and it makes them happy but it also is like sort of a gateway and an opportunity for me like it's a possible door opening could absolutely nothing come out of this sure but that doesn't mean i'm any less happy because i'm still seeing guys that are absolutely have come to respect a lot and and honestly are starting to grow friendships and bonds with, you know, get to compete in, in a sport that they love for, you know, the highest, the highest accolade in that sport at the time, you know, outside of a world games medal. And, you know, and then it could possibly open up a door for me at the same time. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's super dope. Um, and, you know, just the situations we've been in all year is just, Super appreciative for all of it. You know, we'll get gushy next week when the season comes to an end. But uh, DC was great. And now uh, we head to to the motherland. We're in the backyard this week. Philadelphia for the final. First time since 2019. The final is there. Obviously, last year the semifinals were in Philly. A lot of Philly connections in this game. Andy Copeland has friends and family from Philadelphia. Uh, Michael Sowers, obviously big Philly guy. Eli Gobrick has family and and friends in Philly. Jack Rowlett has friends and family in Philly. Blaze Reardon has made Philadelphia his home. KJ 47 obviously has ties and now plays for the wings in Philadelphia. Um, Trying to think if there's anybody else currently that uh, has any Philly ties that I know off the top of my head. Not a hundred percent sure, but those guys, I mean, are the kind of big headliners in my book. Um, it's it's always an electric atmosphere at Subaru Park. Uh, it made my heart sing seeing uh, Mike Rabel's tweet this morning that everybody at Subaru Park is like amazing to work with. So that just gives me more credence and thought that you know Subaru Park Philadelphia is going to be a consistent staple on the PLL schedule for years to come. Um, but I'm excited to just be in the backyard and enjoy you know the neighborhood and enjoy. Being in Philly for the final, seeing somebody hoist a trophy in your city is always a, a electric feeling. Um, these two teams, though, 
lot of uh, a lot of one-sidedness when it comes to final results. The Water Dogs are three and zero all time against Chaos, including this regular season. Chaos, the only team they have never beaten in franchise history, are the Water Dogs. Obviously, a lot of uh, NLL history between these two teams because back early in the season, early in the in the summertime, those chaotic bandits were fighting for a championship in the NLL against Dylan Ward, and now they go for round two. It's kind of wild that both seasons of lacrosse at the pro level are going to end with a championship bout between those collections of players. It, it, but I think it just goes to show, like, truly how good they are. Like, we talk about, you know, Blaze being the best goalie in the year, or best goalie in the world. You know, Burn Lore won goalie of the year. But, like, honestly, the best goalie in the world is Dylan Ward. He is winning at every level, and he's doing it all year round. Like, we can't ignore the facts. Like, this is literally the second championship in – you know, in, in a matter of six months that he's competing in. Like, you can't ignore those less facts. Less than. They're literally less than six months. Like, like, four months. You can't ignore those facts. Like, that's huge. Like, the man is balling on, out of his mind. But then, you know, you flip that on the other side, and you're watching guys who are out there battling against some of the best defensive players to ever pick up a stick, and they're playing in two championships in less than four months. Like, those collection of players are – some of the best players in the world. And you look at Dylan Ward, just to to highlight him alone, he's won at every single level he's played at. The only trophy missing, yeah, outside of college, the only trophy missing from, you know, his pro career, including juniors, is a PLL title. Won at the MLL. Won in... Junior B, Junior A, won the NLL title this year. I think he won Senior A as well. Um, He's got trophies galore. He won with Team Canada for World Games. Now he just needs a PLL trophy. Like, it is crazy to think that, like, we're getting the opportunity to watch a guy who is so cool, calm, and collected when he's out on the field, will come into a press conference, is not afraid to curse in a press conference, which any player, I don't know if there's anything against it with like the league or anything, not that they're airing it on TV, but like I love when players curse in a press conference because uh, it's natural, raw emotion. Dylan's not afraid to hold back one way or another, and we're getting to watch a Hall of Fame career unfold right before our eyes, and I feel like it's not talked about enough. And yes, Dylan's still in the prime of his career, but we're watching a Hall of Fame goalie almost year-round now. And in a matter of, like we just said, four months, he's competing for another championship. It's it's crazy to just put in perspective like how accomplished Dylan Ward truly is. Yeah, like when you really sit there and you think about, you know, where he's played, like, what you know, what teams he's played for the history they have and then you know you look at his record his number of saves and you look at that in every league he's played in and he's toward the top if not at the top of record books 
and then you start looking at his trophies and medals and you run out of you run out of room in the trophy case in your head so you can only imagine he's run out of room in his own trophy case and he's still adding to it like you you it, it, you really get blown away with how good he truly is and then this this matchup also has history dating back to the MLL 2018 when the Denver Outlaws won their title their their third in six years because they did kind of the San Francisco Giants method in baseball where they won in 14, 16, and 18. Um, bunch of these water dogs and chaos guys going toe-to-toe and winning a championship together. Blaze was on that Rattlers team that uh, that inevitably lost to the Outlaws. There's a lot, of, a lot of history in this matchup, which I also find very fascinating, very cool. It's just like somebody who appreciates and enjoys the history of sports um, as a whole. So that's a fun, you know, aspect on this. And we talked to Eli a little bit about that as well, uh, which you'll hear later on in the show. But for this matchup, you know, I and we we dive into it a lot. So we're not really going to truly break it down one on one because we have three guests that we're going to break this matchup down with. Um, But did you're what are you looking at in this game knowing the facts that we know, knowing what this matchup truly contains. I think the biggest thing I'm looking at is just that Team Canada face-off unit for the Water Dogs going toe-to-toe with the likes of Troy Ray, CJ Costabile on the wings, and then Max Adler, who comes alive in the playoffs for the last two years now. You know, they're I think AZ said they're 5-0 and in the playoffs with Max Adler, you know, facing off for them now, so... That's, I think, a massive key to this game is Withers versus Adler. And then on the outsides, it's obviously, you know, the wing play is going to play a, a major part in this game and who's able to kind of get those possessions. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked as a guest on over and back with our, our boy Danny Noobs, um, part of the, the gambling Avengers, if you will, this week on over and back, a seven-guest lineup. So go check that out as well on the PLL YouTube channel. Um, we I, I brought it up to him looking at past matchups too it even kind of overemphasizes it in regular season matchups between the dogs and chaos not including the bubble the over on two pointers has hit both times the water dogs had three two pointers I believe uh yeah three two pointers week four in Baltimore when they won 18 to nine and then Back in 2021, week two, which I believe was in Atlanta, uh, Chaos hit three two-pointers and the Water Dogs hit two two-pointers. So these guys, both teams have players that can hit from range and are going to be able to potentially you know, dictate the game and, and figure out where this thing goes depending on if they can you know, capitalize on the two-point shot. Yeah, I'm interested to see you know how high the score goes, honestly, you know, because being a defensive guy in big games like this, like defenses tend to come with a little more aggression. And I want to see how offenses are going to take that. And if defenses are going to take over the game and make it a little more, you know, low scoring and people who take the over are going to be pulling their hairs out. And I would honestly love that in the press box. Cause I feel like there's going to be a few of you doing that. Um, this is why I don't sports bet. I can just enjoy the game and watch you guys pull your hair out. Um, but also at the same time, this game could, be run up and the over could smash before halftime, you know, like 
this game has capability to be a complete uh, track sprint back and forth, or you know, it could be a very slow game that becomes a meticulous chess match. Like I'm looking to see the middle of the field, um, and not in terms of faceoff, but uh, ground balls, transition, out of saves, clearing the ball, that kind of thing. Like it, our teams are either one of them going to look to slow it down and go into the six on six a little more. They both kind of, you know, push transition and make it a track meet. What, what is the idea that they want to have here in the middle of the field? And then also it's um, Matt, like in individual matchups, which we'll get into later, not going to get in that too much, but on both sides, there are specific individual matchups that I feel are not necessarily key, but, could end up being the difference maker because of how the key matchups play out. Yeah, and there's there's a lot to kind of and you brought up, you know, sweating out the over the under like the uh, looking at, you know, prepping for over and back like I was looking at the over underline like it's only 22 and a half. And both regular season games outside of the bubble obviously, so I'm just referencing week 2 2021 and then this year week 4, both of those games hit that over with ease. You know, it was 26 total goals or total points, if you will, in 2021, and then 27 this year in week four. So, I mean, these two teams can run up the score. And not that, you know, 2020 in the bubble was low scoring in terms of totals either. It was it was 19, so it was relatively close. Um, I think this game is, is – there's a lot to dissect from it in terms of, you know – matchups and you brought up individual matchups um i think there's no better way to to break that down than to bring on the homie jack rowlett so we're going to kick off our interviews here with number 99 himself defenseman for chaos lacrosse club all-star the fastest man in the pll jack rowlett so stay tuned you're going to enjoy this one it's an absolute blast having the homie back on so here is jack rowlett All right, we said on Twitter it was going to get a little chaotic on the episode this week, and it's the playoffs, and that seems to be the time of year where the homie that you're seeing on the screen, if you're watching on the YouTube, which you should, Jack Rowlett, defenseman for Chaos Lacrosse Club, is back. Jack, first of all, congrats on uh, making it back to another championship game, and uh, welcome back to the show, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be talking to you guys before a championship because that means we're playing in the championship. So always love that. Exactly. Uh, just take us through, you know, the matchup last week. We we kind of dubbed it on the show a couple weeks ago that it's official. You guys and the Archers are like the the next like installed rivalry in the PLL. You guys fucking hate each other. Uh, it's obvious on the field. I'm sure it's you know most of the guys off the field. You guys shake hands. You're all kumbaya and everything. But on the field, you guys fucking hate each other. Um, so what was that intensity like? You know, kind of you know another another year in the playoffs, getting to play against them. Yeah, it's the way the bracket worked out. It was just, you know, we obviously got, got led into that matchup. Um, I think, I don't know if I even say we hate them as much as, like, in the playoffs, Coach Towers has been, like, instilling the fact that we need to play with hate. Like, not, you know, I, I will say I think we played soft in some losses. Myself included, like, I'm saying across the board, I don't think we were – tough off the ground, you know, like there were some areas, you know, in between the lines, I thought we could have been better. So like, 
last two weeks, I think, you know, we, we've gotten chippy, we, you know, everywhere across the field. That's something Coach Towers has kind of wanted to instill in us, is like playing with that hate. Because that's when more good is when we play like that. Yeah, I mean, you get uh, two viral moments from Blaze in, in back-to-back weeks. Press conference, you know, you, you get his unenthusiastic yay. And then, uh, you know, he makes a save with his shorts. You were right there when that save happened. Take me through what you saw during that sequence of events when Tommy shoots that ball from two, what, you know, was kind of going on around the cage, and then you make that dive to potentially stop anything from happening, which I thought was a really heads-up play. But uh, just take me through, you know, those final 10 seconds. Yeah, no, I mean, it, they needed to shoot a two. We knew that. Um, we were trying to not even let them get their hands free. Tom somehow got the ball through traffic and on cage. And I see it go into Blaze, and I know it didn't go into the net, but Blaze said something along the lines of, like, I can't see it or I I don't know where it is. I just see him looking around. So, to me, that immediately is just like, you know, like lay on the puck, hockey, like just lay on the goal line, do not let it cross you. Like, that'd be the worst thing ever. It's like literally less than 10 seconds on the clock and the ball rolls out of his shorts or something like that off his heel and into the goal. So, no, there wasn't – and I saw something on Twitter that I was like trying to block the camera. I didn't even know it's where the camera was in the goal, to be honest with you. I was literally just trying to lay down. And like as I slid, that's how I stopped myself. But uh, nah, it was literally just solid, didn't know what else to do. I was like, you know, worst case scenario, I'll be laying back here behind Blaze. And yeah, I guess it ended up working out. Blaze did not need me, Blaze made the save all by himself. We uh we were talking before we started recording too. You're just excited for the variety that it's not the whip snakes. Obviously, you want to play the best of the best, but you're excited to get a new opponent in a championship game. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw you know before your guys' game that the Water Dogs knocked off the Whips? Well, yeah, you know, definitely, definitely like the fact we're playing the Water Dogs. You know, they killed us earlier in the year up in Baltimore. I think it was 18, 18, 8, 18, 9 ballpark somewhere like that. Um. I don't even think historically we've ever beaten them. Someone might need to fact check me on that. They beat us in the bubble in OT. Um, Courier scored. I'm, I think they beat us last year. I don't remember what that game looked like. Uh, you know, and then obviously the only time we played this year, they killed us. So, you know, we definitely got a bad taste in our mouth from them. It seems like they've had our number. So to your point, like, you, it has to be the hardest road. You know, we got to play the best. And for us, this is, you know, our toughest matchup it'll be the best one yet so looking forward to that for sure and you'll give them our best our best shot you yeah, got it pulled up i'm pulling it up right now looking to see okay. uh, what the it. all-time record is I'll, I'll drill them for a little bit while you yeah that. um so obviously you lock down grant amen all the time because you guys played together so much not even going to get into that because we've talked about that a bunch what is the difference between guarding a guy like michael sowers versus guarding grant amen Wow, that's good. Um, I think some – so I'll, I'll give you two different answers. I think sometimes the, the problem is the people lump those two together as the same guy or they're the same player, and they're not. They're very, very different. You know, just because they're built the same and they're quick, you can't just say, like, that's a short shift you got. You know, you saw, like, Mikey the last three, four weeks, you know, he puts his shoulder into guys on goal line. Like, he's tough. He's Philly tough, you know, in, in the sense – he, he wants to fight, you know, he, you see him mixing it up with guys and he, that's something he wants to get to the middle of the goal. I think he puts a lot of pressure on you, not only to stop him as a feeder, but to stop him as a passer. So, you know, I think in that way, they're different and it's almost a, you know, 
I don't want to say a slight to him, but you know, he's his own guy, and I think he deserves his own level of respect in a different way than Grant. Not saying it's a higher or lower level, but just in a different way. Yeah, Water Dogs are two and zero against you guys all time. Yeah, yeah, so I thought so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, obviously, they have a bunch of injuries coming into this week. You're most likely not going to see Mikey Sowers. Um, they're probably not going to have Stephen DiNapoli on the defensive side. Sowers um, Slosher. Yeah, sorry, not, not Sowers Slosher. Uh, I, um, I didn't know. You got to tell me now. <laughs> no, no, brain's just all over the place. Um, yeah, my, my, my Michigan man, Mikey, not going to be out there. But um, – you know, Ryan Brown will possibly be making a return. Um, Jake Higgins may be back out there. What are you guys expecting to see from them defensively? As you know, they're going to be missing guys. And, you know, you may see some D-mids down on O and that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's a it's an incredibly talented group across the board. I think that if you look at all of them individually, right, there are six guys in their offense that probably demand a pull, you know, from the midfield. Talking about guys like Courier, Kelly, Jack Hanna, Conrad, right there. That's four guys before you even talk about Mikey Sausher, who you probably could put a poll on any single one of them. Um, and then all of their attackmen, obviously, are probably worthy of that as well. So, you know, from a matchup perspective, it's going to be about, you know, doing well with our individual matchups, as it always is in this league. You know, you can't lose your one-on-one matchups and expect to win games like that. So I would say, Aaron, we got to win our matchup. And then, uh, again, something that our team – has been trying to do better. It's something I don't think we did great. It's just that, you know, just take written that toughness, that blue collar, you know, winning the ground ball battle, you know, not fouling, but playing with an extreme level of, you know, aggression and energy. Like I think that's something Coach Towers would probably say. So I I think that's kind of with their offense, again, with so many different pieces, so many guys can beat you in so many ways. It's going to come down to, again, winning those matchups and then when the ball's on the ground, being successful, not doing anything dumb to give them other opportunities. This year, you guys got, I think, one of the biggest additions that was a long time coming for you with Challen Rogers. What's it like having him in the locker room, you know, his personality, his connections with a lot of these guys as well from either the NLL, him and KJ playing uh, with the Cannons in 2020. What's it like having Challen around this squad? It, it's funny because, like, Challen comes as, like, the quote-unquote new guy, but knows everybody already in the locker room. Right. Relationships with everybody and, like, makes fun of people and cracks jokes with people. So it's like, nah, it, but it's it's fantastic to have him back. You know, I think you're just starting to see what his true ability is. I mean, the guy just glides on the field. You know, we've, we've been able to throw him up on some wings a couple weeks back. You know, we've been able to pick up ground balls. You know, when he gets back in the hold, someone I'm super confident will be able to, you know, guard whoever he's covering at the time. If he has to even slide or recover and get in a passing lane, like I have faith in him doing that as well. So, that it was definitely someone – I think he's been on our on our rosters you know, since the MLL, PLL, you know, something in that timeline. So, again, nice to have him back. Again, he's he's not really the new guy because everybody knows him, but nice to have him actually on the field playing with us for sure. He's been a great contributor the last couple weeks. We uh, we had Eli Gobrecht on the show this week as well from the Dogs, and uh, you know, just looking, you guys have been able to hoist that trophy. It's a new trophy this year, though. What are your thoughts on the uh, the new championship trophy? I, I think it's cool. I think it's a shame that it wasn't uh, it wasn't around last year, so we could say like we hosted like what the like the cup is, or like you know, hopefully the, you know, the league is massively successful and this cup exists in like fifty years. It would be cool to show my kids and be like, no, I held the first one, 
but I'm gonna have a different one that looks a little funky. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool in a lot of ways. Um, now I'll be I'll be excited to you know see it get a, get a good touch and feel. Have it. I saw it at the uh, awards thing last week. Did not put any hands on it. So no, looking forward to potentially getting a, a chance to lift it. Yeah. And Eli brought this up to us as well, and I think it's it's very funny that you know it's you guys and the Water Dogs playing for this championship, and nobody on the initial go round of award winners is from the Water Dogs or Chaos. Correct. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm not gonna say anything about you know any any individual guy out there. It's, that's not my place right now. I I don't. I know it's tough on a team that's two and eight to say that we have the best of anything just because we didn't show it. I don't want to speak for the Water Dogs. That being said, I thought TJ Costner had an absolutely unbelievable year. You know, do I think he should have won LSM of the year? Yeah, I do. Like, you know, that's a guy who I think played tremendous this year and does didn't get ton of recognition, maybe social media press before, but is just was so you know contributed so much to us last year and has done the same thing this year and uh, you know again I, th- I think it is funny that no one, like neither of our teams had any winners but at least from our perspective like we were the worst team in the league it's like kind of tough but I think it speaks to the parity of the playoffs too of like anything can happen in the playoffs yeah and, and you know it's it's a little bit about making sure that you're getting better every week not just winning and I think that's something that teams can fall into. I think that the first year, 2019, I think that the Chaos won this regular season outright, actually. Yeah, you guys went 7-3. and three. And then we were bad in the playoffs. It's like, we played great. You know, maybe we didn't correct problems we had because we were covering it up with winning. You know, so I think something that we, the Chaos have been able to do really well since then is just try to get better. You know, the bubble, we were really bad. But we got better. Last year was hit or miss. We were, you know, middle of the pack-ish. But we were working to get better. I think this year, you know, you you've seen noticeable improvement in our play. I actually think before the playoffs, like you know, even that game against the Atlas, I thought we played pretty well defensively. You know, we lost the game, gave up ten goals. I thought we played pretty well. You know, you watch the film, you look back, you're like, I, I'm I can live with a lot that's going on right now. So again, it's all about kind of getting peaking at that right time. You know, like you said, in parity in this league, it's not always really about who you have. You're getting more about that group. And you said after that Atlas game too in the press conference, you were like, it's a new season. Clean slate. Everything that happened before this doesn't really matter anymore. Like, this is a brand new season. And, you know, I think if anybody's playing against Atlas with the offense they have and you tell them, oh, yeah, we only gave up 10 goals, you're taking that every single day of the week. Yeah, you know, it's – Coach Towers has been very good about making sure, you know, like, one, we're accountable for not playing well or doing what we need to be doing better, but also to – know what the ultimate goal is or what our goal at that time is, right? You know, before a game, the goal is to win that game. The goal of the season is, you know, make the playoffs and see what that looks like. You know, the goal ultimately is to win a championship. So maybe we didn't do what was the goal that day, but we still progressed over time to that goal ultimately of, you know, winning a championship, competing for a championship. And, you know, just thought we'd been able to do that. You, uh... You guys this year, too, I'm sure DJ will enjoy this and follow up on it as well. But last year, you guys had Johnny Serdic as, you know, that third defenseman for you guys. This year, it's been kind of a rotation between Matt Reese, BK, and Gettys. What's it been like, you know, just communication-wise for you guys 
when somebody new is in there potentially, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, just kind of fluctuating through and then it's you and Jared, you know, holding down the the anchor spots there. But what's that communication like to make sure everybody's on the same page going into a game week, knowing that you guys only have, you know, those couple days of practice a week? Yeah, you know, like with the league being eight teams, there's a couple of the defensive units that have not been together four years, three years, you know, me and Jared have played together for four years now. I've never played with any defenseman other than, like, one kid in high school for four years because, you know, high school kids are moving in and out different grades. College, you know, like, I played Austin Profani for two years. I think that might have been the only guy I played with for that that many years on the field every game together. So, uh, you know, me and Jared played together for four years now. I know his game as well as I've known anybody who's a cross game out there, right? As guys come in, the – the faster me and Jared can learn what they do and, you know, work with them, talk to them, figure out what they like, what they don't like, how they read things, you know, the more success we can have. Um, I think someone else that does not get nearly enough love as they should, who's been tremendous, is Troy Ray. You know, Troy Ray is an absolute baller. I I would like to see the stats on LSMs who guard Schreiber and, like, what his points look like. I always feel like Troy holds his own extremely well against some of the best guys out there and maybe you know i don't know what the reason is maybe because he has long hair i hate it maybe that's why people don't like him as much um that makes sense because it, 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 it does but i think he's been he was down low for us for a long time you know he's someone that helps get our defense organized but recently you know with the addition of matt reese that's someone we've had for a couple of years and he was here in 2019 yeah it's a military service he's been kind of in and out but He's kind of cemented that spot down low with us, and it's been really nice to be able to build that chemistry and work all inside him. Total joke here, and I love I love the person I'm about to bring up, but now I feel like this is why Kyle McClancy went unprotected in 2020. He had long hair. I keep bringing up the guy. <laughs> and that's not saying I want to cut anything, but just he's a great guy. He really is. Like He was on the team in – 19, and then I think he was somewhere else in 20. Yeah, he went to the Water Dogs. Yeah, he's on the Water Dogs in 20. So, you know, no, I, I like Kyle. I, I think he definitely, definitely needs to be on a team in this league somewhere. Yeah. No, but him and Troy are, are, are good friends of mine. Um, I talk to Troy probably five, six times a week because he's coaching at LIU. So we talk lacrosse, defense, anything, chaos, you know, whatever. He is. Yeah, my guy. So, you know, you brought up guys who aren't getting enough love, and then you just brought up your coaching career. Perfect segue for me. You had a chance to coach Zach Geddes last year while at Georgetown, and now you get a chance to play with him. This is a question that I asked uh, Jesse Bernhardt earlier this year about Logan uh, Wisnowskis. What is it like and, like, what are the differences between, you know, watching them and coaching them at the college level versus you actually get to play with? He doesn't get a chance to play with Logan. Or, yeah, he does. What, what is the difference between, you know, playing with them at the pro level? Yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think for my own relationship with Zach, it's – pretty similar like I, I don't really yell at the guys too much at georgetown like i'm more of the try to teach lacrosse like hey this is what i think you could do better like let's try something else with our hands like that's more of my role and, you know in the, when you're playing pro with a guy you're not screaming yelling. i mean it's more like hey i think you don't need to slide there but like come down the back side and make sure you're covering the pipe something like that so like conversation wise it's really easy you know i got hired at georgetown when i was 23 zach was already old as it was for his grade anyway. So we're only like a year apart in age. It, it's pretty easy to like, you know, to build that friendship. You know, I, I made sure to grab him for dinners night before games, make sure, you know, he's not just eating the hotel food. We're like, 
if we're somewhere nice, we're going to go get some good food. We're going to try something local or whatever the case is. But, uh, no, nah, he, he's a great guy. He's someone I've really enjoyed getting to know better, you know, you know, on a different level kind of since we've graduated and go hang out. How special was it last week for you guys getting that win, but knowing that was also where Chaos won their first championship as well? So now postseason-wise, you guys are 2-0 and at Audi Field. Yeah, 2-0. and I think we got – I actually think the Chrome stomped us in year one at Audi Field. So we're, we're, at least we're above 500 now. But, no, nah, I mean, for me personally, I love playing at Audi. I'm a D.C. guy. You know, I live – 15 minutes maybe from Audi, so it, it's really, really you know close to home. It's, it's nice. Had a bunch of family and friends out there, so and also then being able to to get a win and like the conversation on the ride home is like fun and exciting. Like my roommates literally picked me up from the locker room and drove me home afterwards. So you know the conversations are fun. We can like joke about things. It's not, uh, hey man, sorry your season's over. Like that's it's, you know, it's a little bit better than that. Oh, yeah, I was nursing a slight, uh, slight injury, but you know, we're doing good. You Should have had you and Jared come out there and be some junkyard dogs with the uh, the parking attendants because yeah. the the people in D.C. must think that everybody is rich and can afford to pay exorbitant amounts to park their car. Hold on. I, I got a story. We were playing at Red Bull the first year of the league. It's a playoff game. We're, I think it was the Redwoods. We had to yeah. And me and Johnny Serdick – we're riding in my car together through the field to where they said we could park. I had my pass. The woman's like, no, you can't park here. You got to go to the paid lot. I was like, no, like, I'm playing in the game. Like, I got to park. I got warm up. No, can't do it. Went over. We ended up paying like 60 bucks to park like a half mile away. There's like kids and things, like little kids playing across, trying to get our autograph. I'm telling them literally I'm on the phone with Coach Powers. I'm late right now. So, yeah, we had to like run a half mile out. After the game, like, I'm walking out to my car, like, people are looking around, like, did you just play? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, but. That's how we were. We we parked in this lot uh, last year for the championship game. They let us in, parked for free and everything, showed them the, the parking pass and everything. This year we pull up. It's like this gaggle of goons that are just like, yeah, no, you're not parking here. Uh, and we were like, we were told we're supposed to, you know, park behind the stadium and everything we parked in this exact lot last year for this exact you know venue and everything they were like well if you're gonna park here you're gonna pay 90 dollars." and i said you can piss all the way off yeah nah, I, I don't. dc's bad there's a i think the k street tunnel makes like over a million dollars a year in like speeding <sighs> they get you every way possible and I mean, yeah. we we ended up finding some rinky dink lot right down the street. It wasn't even a lot. Like it was like months. I feel like the guy just owned like this street and was like, "These are my gravel lots. Venmo me twenty dollars and you can park here." And I said, "Absolutely." Sounds good. No, that's why it always is good care cash. There are a lot of spots like that in DC. Show a guy twenty, like right there. Yeah, I was like, "Yep, I will take this any day of the week. I will do twenty dollars any day." Yeah, we got the luxury of sitting right above your pa- your family and friends, and then Blaze's family and friends. Who do you think is Wilder? Wilder, maybe Blaze's louder. I don't think anyone will yell louder than my mother. <laughs> At least, like when it comes to what voice I can hear, no one like. Oh my god, I can hear it from all of the places. It's not a bad thing either, but just like the. It always has like a connotation of like you're nine years old, you might be getting yelled at about something. So, yeah, just hear it like your spine shivers real quick. 
what did you think of the uh, the throwback jerseys this year? Fantastic. Love them. Love them. They were a little too sheer. Like, I'm, I go shirtless every, like, not shirtless. Like, under, under my jersey, I don't wear anything. Like, the jersey's pretty nice as it is. Like, I mm-hmm. bad, so it's easy. Chase Frazier, because he's, like, tan and ripped and tatted, like, he could go shirtless. I'm, like, a little bit skinnier, like, very pale. I've got tats like he does, so I could not go. So I had to wear a T-shirt under my under the jersey, but that's my only complaint. I thought they looked awesome. I thought the black ones for the Cavs were, I mean, I thought they were the best. They looked like Brett 11s, but I don't know. That's my yeah, I thought you guys on the Water Dogs had the best throwback ones. Yeah, the black and red and black and purple looked sweet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was awesome out there. It probably felt good, you know, being out in Denver. Felt so smooth. Oh yeah, no, that that was that was a beautiful day. I think there was like supposed to be rain or something. We played. We might have played like like ten thirty in the morning or like nine thirty in the morning or something. It was. I think it was early for sure. That yeah, was like I think they those, flexed like, them. It it was early because they flexed them because of the rain. So like somebody played at like eleven a.m our time which had to be like yeah that was, that was like chaos 9 a.m game. or whatever over there yeah yeah that was like you like we came down to for for breakfast at the hotel like the hotel wasn't even like serving right? <laughs> yeah like fellas like well, you got wait till seven it's like six forty-five, right now we gotta eat right now we gotta go <laughs> we don't even got the grill on <laughs> we um, really ain't got time <laughs> we talked about a bunch of underrated guys and i think this matchup for you guys, you're going to see, I think, one of the most underrated, you know, attackmen in the league in Kira McArdle. Uh, how do you guys kind of plan to to prep for what he does, knowing that he's not technically their their number one option because Sowers is there, but what he's able to do, I think, this year really solidified him being, you know, a superstar caliber player. He finished as one of two players this year to finish with 40-plus points, uh, and the other was Lyle Thompson. So what's kind of the, the plan of attack to, to go up against Kieran? Yeah, you know, I think, I think he he definitely was undervalued this year, as well as I, I honestly even think Sowers was a little bit undervalued. I, I think he should have been maybe up for more end of the year awards and stuff like that, and getting um, some name recognition maybe more than he did. But uh, now, you know, again, that kind of goes back to my first point of we're gonna have to win some individual matchups. You know, that's a guy. With Sowers there, you know, if you fly and slide to him a lot, then he's going to be able to find Kieran McCarlow. If you slide to McCarlow, he's going to be able to skip the ball to Jack Hanna, who's shooting, you know, eight-yard step-downs on you now. So, again, it's it's not a group you can slide a ton to because of just how talented every one of them is individually. So, you're going to have to, again, when you match up, and hopefully that uh, you have more success one-on-one than they do. Biggest matchup of the day is a group versus a guy. Correct. All of your bandits guys want Dylan Ward's head. Like we, we all know this. They want to just plaster it up for the whole city, cut it off, and hang it up at the end of the game. <laughs> you know, it's Game of Thrones and, in here. <laughs> like what? Yeah, literally. You know, like what? What kind of vibe and stuff are you getting from those guys? Have they put any emphasis on it? Have they kind of ramped up? You know, like their their level of play, or, or is it just you know straight business, no matter what? The, those buff guys are straight business, truly. I mean, like, if you follow them on social media, like, they post cryo recovery. They post needles, like, you know, in their legs, whatever they're doing. They're, they, you know, they're at the gym every single day. Like, I, I went up to – I worked at Camden, Rochester, and the state and buff with some of the guys and hung out with them. And, I mean, they are so regimented, everything they do. You know, they work out, they go to dinner, they come back, they're sitting in their boots for the rest of the night. You know, they're icing, they're hydrating constantly. Like, 
they're consummate professionals when it comes to how they operate and the way they treat their bodies. So, no, you know, I think it's going to be all business. I will say it was nice to be able to win without, got like, you know, Josh having an atomic day, like, you know, scoring 10 points. You know, hopefully that's in the chamber. I texted him earlier this week. I was like, are you going to score 10 goals when we win? And he was like, I don't know, man. I hope so. So, again, hopefully, you know, everybody still has goals left in them and uh, they have a little bit of that memory of, not only just the one-all match of Eduardo, but I think losing a championship you know, does something to you. It really hurts after all the work you put in. So you know, hopefully they can feel as if you know this is a kind of climax, you know, a mountaintop of you know what they're they're, they're climbing to. And uh, you know, if our team has success, we can kind of give them that championship they're chasing. What was the you know, when everybody came back this year from the NLL championship, what was kind of that first time at practice, first locker room like when they all flooded back in? Oh, yeah. Well, you guys probably know this, but the, they all travel together. You right. You never just get one buff guy by himself. You get five. And now with Adler, you sometimes get six. Adler is the sneaky, like, doesn't count, but, like. like who He's the one sitting with the, the middle seatbelt. Yeah, exactly. Adler <laughs> No, it's, uh, it was great. You know, we, we probably didn't start practice for 45 minutes just because, you know, it was rounds of hugs, you know, seeing guys, first time seeing a lot of those guys since the finals from the year before. So being able to talk to them, hang out with them, and then, you know, they take forever to get ready as it is. I mean, like, they like they retape their sticks for practice, and then they retape their sticks for the bus, and then they retape their sticks for the hotel, and then they retape their sticks for breakfast, and then they baby powder it, and I'm like, Fellas, come on. We're just line drills here. Just pass me catching. But, again, you score, I don't question you, so I'll let it go. That's incredible. Got to be key this week is the middle of the field, you know, ground balls, face-offs, transition. Uh, What's you guys' approach on that? You looking to slow the game down and, and, you know, play more of you guys' game? Or, you know, are you going to try and match the speed a little bit? Or, you know, what's the the plan there? Yeah, you know, I I think – I think we do well in transition. I, I think, you know, Ian McKay set a lot of picks this year for Josh Byrne coming top side and scoring. So I don't think that's something we want to stop at all. That being said, you just got to be mindful. and You got to be more alert to some of their guys in transition maybe than the average LSM in the league. Like, I think Ryland would re-slings the ball as well as any pull out there. You know, he might sling the ball at you. Know, he might sling the ball better than everybody out there, defensively speaking. So, uh, you know, he's somebody you definitely got to stop. You know, they're, they're so dominant off the wings and their ability to then, you know, go into pass down pick down set picks with Weathers and Courier, do all that type of stuff. You know, it was nice, you know, Max having that box experience now. He has a little he has a little bit more familiarity with that. He's more comfortable, you know, talking through some of the situations. So again, it's gonna take a full a full team effort from us. If if one guy is not focused or one guy is doing his own thing, the pack will suffer. They can play sort of quote like that last week. So again, it's it's, it's not all about matching their speed. You know, we're going to play our game for sure, but with giving due respect to all their guys that deserve it. And for you, you know, obviously he was on the team for a limited amount of time, but Wardo was on this chaos team in the bubble. So, yeah. uh, you know, what's that kind of, you know, factor like knowing that he's a former teammate? Yeah, no, me and Wardo were teammates for like 20 days. It was pretty dope in the bubble. <laughs> I, he's a awesome guy i don't think there's anybody in the league that knows him that won't say how good of a guy he is yeah like he comes up says hey like talks to you like chops it up it was actually interesting this past weekend in audi the way the locker room was set up they just put like a thin curtain sheet in between the water dogs in our locker room so like 
like I ran back, I ran back at halftime like early, like, and they're all just laying out there shirtless, like hanging out, having a good time. They don't have to go, like the flight's not for a couple hours, like they can hang out for a minute, and we're all like in there sweating, talking, game plan and stuff like that. So, but yeah, Wardo's right there. Hey, Jack, throw him in. Cool, calm, good dude, though. Really, really good dude. Yeah, love awesome. Dylan Ward. That's amazing. Uh, what's the excitement level for Philly? Obviously, you know, you have some, some family that lives in Philly as well. And, uh, you guys played the semifinal there to go to last year's championship. So what's the excitement of going back to Subaru? Oh, I mean, anytime you have a chance to play for a championship, it's, it's the most important thing in your life at that time. So, you know, it's all we've been able to think about this week. Haven't slept great, you know, so I want to be able to get up there. I'm glad I'm going up Friday and not just like the day before, like normal, get up there, get acclimated get myself something to eat maybe so i don't know should be fun hopefully better than what rj's been eating because he doesn't ask the philly aficionados where to fucking eat a cheesesteak and oh no i yeah i got some i got some better recommendations i got some better people in my corner than rj yeah absolutely ridiculous that i will be steered the right direction well here's uh what you should be drinking while you're in philly good old kenwood beer kenwood beer all right let's get in the locker room post game sponsor facts how are we I don't. I don't know how AB I feel about that. <laughs> a little athletic brewing might might, <laughs> might want to fight. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I think they are trying for a, a secondary one like that. Was what people have been talking about. Dude, the guys ask. It's like not a. It's not something that goes unspoken. It's like something. Guys yeah. Think, no, but they've assured us that it's something that's on their minds. So I don't know from who, what, or when. But yeah. how uh, how sick was it to see yourself on a Friday beer shirt? Very cool. The Towers one is maybe the best shirt I own right now. Like, yes. Like, I've spent, like, decent money on some things. And, like, that's the coolest t-shirt I own. <laughs> now, that was very solid. Uh, I actually DM'd the Friday Beers account on Instagram, and they said they were going to send me a t-shirt. So, we'll see. If it gets delivered, I told them I'd wear it for the finals. If it, you know. So, it's, it's, the ball's in their court. They have my address and my size, and we've been in the DMs together. So, talked we'll see we'll see if they come through with their end of the bargain yeah those turned out pretty sick i was like all right sick the boys are on friday beer shirts that and i I got a special sneaker purchase for for the finals not expensive nothing rowdy but like i i got it i went and got a new pair of shoes for this excited break them out love to see that man's is about to pop out with like a new pair of hey dudes or something (laughs) (laughs) it'd be good that would be hilarious. I can't share. I can't. I gotta. I gotta be on spot. We love it. Uh, any final thoughts for the people listening, watching? You know, going into Philly, your expectations for this game, and uh, you know, just kind of the the mindset. No, nah, I mean, I appreciate talking to you guys. It's always, it's always a blast. But uh, should be a good week in Philly. Obviously, you know, it would be better if the Cavs come out with a W. But um, I'm super excited to get up there. It's a great team. It's a team we've never beaten. So again, that's going to be a little bit. A little bit better for us hopefully go out there and uh and again kind of have like the ultimate turnaround on our season which is what we've been trying to do so yeah looking forward to it and as uh as at always says let's fucking go fucking go shout out to jack for hopping back on the show it's always you know it's playoff time when jack rowlett is popping on the podcast a lot of good insight there from the matchups that are going to be taking place. A lot of just fun season banter and everything with Jack. It's always fun to have him on the show. Absolutely. Jack's a class act. 
amazing guy to talk to, hilarious, gives great insight. And, and I mean, he has no problem answering the questions that have absolutely like nothing to do with lacrosse or not a ton to do with lacrosse. And, you know, he's just, I can't wait to sit down and have a beer with him post his career. Like that is what I'm looking forward to. That's the best thing that I, about Jack is I know that like when he's done playing lacrosse, He's going to be a guy I can hit up when I'm down in the D.C. area and be like, yo, let's hit up, you know, Mission or whatever and grab a beer and we'll just chat it up and, like, it'll be awesome. I can't wait for everybody to see his shoes. No spoilers. Because we don't have any. (laughs) But I can't wait for everybody to see his shoes. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Shout out to the homie hopping on. Um and, you know, you look at this Water Dogs team, DJ, they've overcome a lot of obstacles this season, tons of injuries throughout the year, especially when they've matched up against the Whip Snakes. Um, very interesting anecdote there. Three matchups against the Whips and three times that big-time injuries have happened. Um, Certain player. I feel bad for some of the guys that did get injured because uh, you never want to see anybody go down and you won a championship game to feature the best of the best on your roster. Uh, so wishing for a speedy recovery to Stevie DiNapoli and uh, Mikey Schlosser because their statuses are obviously unknown, but it didn't look great from our vantage point for either of them. Um, so hopefully they get back healthy and are ready to rock and roll if somehow some way are playing this weekend that's unbelievable and those doctors that are working on them should get the biggest of raises or uh hopefully they just get healthy and they're ready to rock and roll for the dogs next season but this water dogs team has evolved you know it's it's almost like watching a puppy grow into a full-grown dog they've kind of reached that full-grown dog status um where in 2020 you know weird circumstances you're an expansion team and then you're thrust into uh, a two and a half week bubble situation because of a worldwide pandemic and you don't get real time to you know mesh as a team it's a weird situation so you kind of look at that and you take it with a grain of salt and following that season a lot of changes happen to the roster 2021 rolls around and somehow the water dogs wind up being the number one seed uh based off of score differential in the entire PLL and then get knocked off after getting that bye week and they kind of just, you know, lost a little momentum. And now they're the five seed and they're playing for their first championship. And I think that just speaks to the testament of Coach Copeland putting the pieces of the puzzle together the way that he and his coaching staff feel fit this team the best. And, you know, Eli brings it up in our in our discussion with him and our conversation with him like it's almost like Michael Sauer's rookie season this year played in one full game in 2021 in the regular season and then obviously played in the semifinal game that they ended up losing but this was his first full season in the PLL um which i wonder if they'll ever do that in lacrosse where you have to play a certain number of games for it to actually count as your rookie year they do that in baseball they do that in basketball um I wonder if they'll ever do that to kind of justify, uh, you know, rookie status and everything like that. Because to me, like, this was Michael Sauer's rookie year in a lot of ways. 
Um, and you could see it at times. He had, yeah, like there were moments where, especially he just, early on, yeah, where he just kind of was like frantic or like didn't necessarily know what to do or was like, oh, this is what's happening now, or like was surprised at like the level of like aggression or like the level of play or like the speed, like he had to adjust to the game and you could tell he was making that adjustment like, like a rookie was no slight to him because he made the adjustments very quick and, and his game picked up kind of like that. Like once he made all the adjustments, he soared, you know, he soared through the roof, but he definitely had adjustments to make at the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, you also look at just the adversity they've ever, they've overcome multiple stints without Ryan Brown, who was kind of, you know, the big trade piece for them following the bubble. Um, you know, you look at just the way this defense has been able to to mesh and become one of the more formidable units in all of the PLL, and Eli talks about that as well in our conversation. And then you look at the young bucks that I think have really evolved this team. Uh, shout out to Pulski because I'm about to make a Pokemon reference. Going from Charmeleon to Charizard, like Ethan Walker and Jack Hanna have changed the trajectory of this team's midfield so much and have a lot and we saw it last year with Ethan Walker like when he got inserted into the lineup like their offense changed like no other it opened up so many passing lanes it gave them opportunities to set up plays gave them opportunities to set up their vision and those two have truly changed the outlook and future and the now quite frankly of this water dogs team for who knows how long yeah, I mean, I think they've done a phenomenal job at coming in and, you know, just playing and then and, and sprinkling their personality on the game. You know, we talked to Eli about, you know, how they play with their personalities but stay so calm. And he, he mentioned the mix of veteran and young guys, and the young guys come in just trying to play and learn. And I think that's very key, especially in a, in a league like this where every team is that mix. So if you're not listening to your veterans, it's gonna be you're, it's gonna be noticed because you're gonna lack because their veterans will take advantage of you. So they've done a great job of bringing their young guys in and not making them feel like they're young guys, but also still reminding them that they have things to learn and they're picking up on those things quickly. So I think they have a great di- team dynamic there that's working in a way that allows the young guys to shine and feel important. Yeah, and I think. Just the way that they've been able to mesh youth and experience on this team while evolving, while still, you know, kind of getting to the the promised land of where they want to be as a a franchise has been super impressive. Um, I think Coach Copeland has attacked, you know, just roster construction so well um, as an expansion team. And I think, you know, the Water Dogs earned this spot in the championship game. It was no easy task for them to get there. They had to go through Atlas, who had the MVP on their roster. Then you have to go against the two-time champion, go 9-1 and in the regular season, Whip Snakes. But as we've said on this show, and we've said to multiple people, the Water Dogs played the Whip Snakes the best of any team in the PLL this season, hands down. They're the only team to have beaten the Whip Snakes in the regular season, and it showed again that they were the most formidable opponent for that whip snakes team were able to go pound for pound with them in every phase of the game. And they earned their spot in this championship matchup. 
Yeah, and it's not saying that other teams couldn't have been in that spot or couldn't have beat them because we've seen other teams be in one-goal games, but the consistency of the Water Dogs being in one-goal games, the consistency of the Water Dogs leading those games and having the Whip Snakes crawling back fighting, the consistency of Kieran McCardle coming through and, and being an absolute beast in those fourth quarters of those games. like That's the part that sets the Water Dogs aside from these other teams that are in one-goal games with the Whip Snakes. Those teams were coming back with the Whip Snakes having a three- or four-goal lead and just not having enough. Those teams weren't having a guy going off in the fourth quarter putting pressure on the Water Dogs or on the Whip Snakes going back and forth because they were already in the game. Sure, you know, you can look at the Redwoods when they play the Whip Snakes. They had Ryder Garnsey start to pop off and, you know, have an amazing fourth quarter, but they were trailing and needed him to do that to get back into the game versus Kieran doing it when they were down one. He scores, you know, two goals, three goals, and, you know, there's still – it's a tie game because he goes back and forth with Zed and Rambo on the other side. Like, that is the difference between a Water Dogs playing the Whip Snakes versus anyone else playing the Whip Snakes. And I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face, postseason included, uh, Kieran McCardle is going to lead the PLL in scoring this year. Should have been nominated for MVP. Uh, <laughs> nah, but I'm super stoked for Trev, and we'll talk about the end-of-year awards towards the end of the show as well. Um, but I think without any further ado, we kick it to our conversation with first-time All-Star, defenseman, Number 25 for the Water Dogs Lacrosse Club, Eli Gobrecht. Welcome back to the show. And uh, it's a fun one, so you're going to want to buckle up for this sit-down with Eli Gobrecht. All right, everybody. You know we always do it big on OTB for Championship Week. And what better way than to have friend of the program, noted Philly sports fan, Eli Gobrecht of the Water Dogs heading to the championship for the first time in the PLL, rejoining the show. Eli, first of all, congrats on the dub in D.C. Welcome back to the show, and uh, how pumped are you for uh, championship weekend to be in Philadelphia? Yeah, I don't think there's a better place to have a championship game, so uh, we're excited. Um, you know, pumped to be back with the team for another weekend. That's what it's all about, and uh, can't wait to play again this weekend. We've talked a bunch on this show about just how well, and we were talking before we started recording, like how well you guys as a team have played against that Whip Snake squad. What was kind of the mindset going into matchup number three against them? It's always tough to beat a team twice in a season, and both times you guys played them, you know, the overtime loss the first time, then a one goal game the second time, and in for whatever reason, the Whip Snakes always just find a way to. <laughs> get guys injured on your team whenever you play against them so you're always playing men down as well what was you know just the intensity out there on the field like playoff atmosphere uh playing against that team knowing you know their pedigree and their stature in the league being you know the gold standard yeah i mean obviously that's that's a team that everyone's been chasing since the pll started basically so you know, our mindset was was kind of similar to the last few games we played them. Like the face-off battle, we knew was going to be massive. You know, Joe Nardell is an incredible player, um, and Earhart on the wings is is probably the best guy in the league um, with a long pole. So uh, we knew we had to make it a 50-50 scrap off the draws, and uh, knew that goaltending play would be huge. So I think, you know, Withers and uh, Courier and and Reeser did an awesome job 
making that face off a battle and uh dylan ward was you know dylan ward in that so that's all you can ask for from him this matchup features a lot of history i would say uh you guys going up against chaos obviously dating back to the mll especially in 2018 when you guys won that championship with the outlaws uh how cool is it just to you know see a bunch of you guys on this water dogs team that played together a few guys that were on that rattlers team uh in 2018 on this chaos squad and just the the amount of history that is also kind of going into this championship game yeah i, I think it's cool I, I came into the league in denver um five years ago which is crazy and um was able to win one with a lot of those guys that are in that game on the chaos and on the water dogs so there's definitely some history there and um, we kind of respect um, the championship and playoff experience that those guys have. And um, it's it's definitely a battle of, of guys that are experienced in these games. And I think it's going to come down to uh, the team that makes less mistakes, basically. And last year for you guys, obviously being the one seed, it was one of those kind of out-of-nowhere experiences for people watching at home. I feel like we're in the bubble, you know, it was a different atmosphere for everybody. You guys were the expansion team kind of trying to gel in just unmitigated circumstances, obviously with the pandemic going on, your first time together is in a bubble situation. Then last year, you guys get that one seed, but unfortunately lose uh, to that whip snake squad in the semifinals. Now this year you kind of, you know, start off a little slow. Then you go on that win streak, get real hot. And then now you're headed to the championship game. In your opinion, what are you know some similarities and some differences from the three years you've been on this Water Dogs team that you guys have kind of carried uh, on this championship run? Yeah, I think uh, you know it starts just with our leadership with Coach Copeland. Um, you know, he's kind of said all year this thing never goes in a straight line. You know, obviously we start zero and three, and we're we're waiting to get Dylan Ward back um, and just trying to gel early in the season, it wasn't going great. And then we go on this five win, uh, five game win streak, and then you lose the last two regular season games. So I think, uh, we've really kind of been battle tested this year. We've had to deal with injuries, guys in and out of the lineup and things not always going our way. So I think coming into this game and with the experience of last year, playing in the semifinals, um, against that whip snakes team, we knew, um, it was going to be a difficult game, but I just feel like we were super prepared um, for this game um, just with the amount of film and, and preparation that we did during the week. Um, we were super confident coming in and um, were able to, to squeak out a one goal win, luckily. And I know DJ will probably follow up with this being a, you know, a defensive guy, but I feel like Everyone talks about that Whip Snakes defensive unit because of how long they've played together. Everybody talks about the Archers defense because of how big-bodied they are with Matt McMahon, with Graham, and when Warren's not injured, he's out there as well. Uh, and you have Scott Ratliff out there kind of stepping up, playing close defense this year. You have people talking about the Redwoods defense. I feel like nobody really talks about this Water Dogs defense and how good as a unit you guys are. Just talk to me about what it's like playing you know, with Liam, with Ben, and just the way you guys are able to perform as a unit and just go out there game in, game out, and just kind of fly under the radar as like the most underrated defensive unit out there in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because last year going into training camp, um, Bernsey, Ben, and I had never played together. I think we'd probably met each other in passing, but I still remember that first practice of training camp last year being like, 
just trying to remember everybody's names, like communicating um, as we got into some six on six and uh, just getting to know each other. So it's definitely been uh, an area that we focus on just trying to get closer off the field over the past couple of years. And I think Bernsey and, and Ben and I are, are really close at this point. And we, we try to communicate a lot during the week and just talking about matchups and um, Bernsey is, is definitely like a glue guy for us. He covers up a lot of space off ball. He's an excellent communicator and he is also like really versatile. He can bump up to the midfield and kind of make plays all over the field. And then, um, Randy is just like an unbelievable cover guy. And he's been that way since he came into the MLL, you know, five years ago, six years ago. So, um, for me, it was kind of like, just trying to figure out how to play off those two guys. Cause I think they're both incredible defenders and I just wanted to, you know, be able to do whatever I can do to help the team, whether that's um, guarding like a secondary Dodger or, or playing more of an off ball guy or bumping up to the midfield. So I think we're really unselfish as a group and playing in front of Wardo, we have a ton of confidence of where we want Dodgers to go, what kind of shots he wants to see. And then, um, if there's any leaks in the faucet, Wardo does a really good job of cleaning those up. Yeah. So you just brought up, you know, playing in front of Dylan Ward, but you also have Matt DeLuca, who I am very fond of. If you, you go back and listen to any pod that we talk about DeLuca, it's like a five minute rant of me begging Matt St. Laurent to trade for him. <laughs> but, you know, what are some of the like small, like nuanced differences with uh, playing with DeLuca and Matt versus Ward? Yeah, I think uh, DeLuca is really, really uh, cerebral. Um, And I don't know if people catch it on the broadcast, but he's usually got like the film pulled up on the little iPad on the sideline. And he's the first guy to kind of make a point in our huddle. And he will actually speak up quite often in our D meetings um, with some really good points. So we really trust like his knowledge of the game. And I think he get, he helps us with our game planning. And then when he is in the net, he's an awesome goalie. And he, you know, we struggled early in the year. And I think he took some of the brunt of that, which I, I think was not really accurate because our defense as a whole was not playing that great. But, um, you know, when Wardo came back and Wardo was on the sideline, our first game against the chaos, it was, um, it was Deluxe and net making huge saves and, and kind of helping us get that win. So I think um, they play a different style. Like they're both big rangy goalies, but um, DeLuca is an, an awesome goalie and, and he's an incredible teammate. Like he's super unselfish um, in terms of understanding his role, whether that's in the net or on the sideline. I think he adds a ton of value to our team, no matter what he's doing. The, uh, I think one of the cool things, kind of just stepping away from the matchup this weekend, Fate of a Sport comes out, you know, during the season, and it's going to be on ESPN on Thursday. And one, I feel like a lot of people forget that you started your PLL career with the Archers. And two, you know, you can't feature 145 phone calls between Paul Rabel and, and Mike Rabel and everybody. What was kind of your story, your journey of, you know, connecting with Paul and Mike and making that jump from the MLL to the PLL? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, everybody kind of heard rumblings even towards the end of the 2018 season, the MLL. So obviously, like, being with the Outlaws and understanding that we were making a playoff run, it wasn't it wasn't something that was, like, in the forefront of my mind. But um, we knew there was going to be a new league. And, 
you know, the, the first I heard of it was, was from Drew Snyder. Cause he's really close with, uh, with Rabel and a bunch of the team USA guys. And, uh, I think the first contact I got was just an email or something kind of like an invitation to sign up for the league. And that was probably a week or two after the MLL championship game in 2018. So, um, obviously was excited about the prospect. I thought it was, it was kind of a cool new idea and that, um, seemed like most of the best players in the MLL who weren't under contract were already signed up and, and looking to move over. So, um, initially I was on that list and I was going to join and, uh, you know, we, we obviously in Denver, we had a really good situation and coming off winning a championship, my rookie year, it was not something that I was, I guess, ready to leave right away as I talked to teammates. Um, so, you know, talking to Zach Courier and Dylan Ward and Mikey Schlosser and Max Adler, among other guys, we just sort of collectively within that kind of core group were like, hey, like, I want to do this for another year. And, um, you know, we have a really good situation. We play at mile high. We're owned by the Broncos and we just won a championship together. And um, it kind of came down to really that, like sticking around with those teammates for another year. So I, I didn't talk to Paul directly that much, but uh, Schreiber was actually the guy who was representing the league, who I had a ton of conversations with, and he was very understanding about it. Um, you know, he kind of understood my reasoning and, and sort of feeling a little bit of loyalty to Denver. Um, so that conversation ended up the way it did. And, you know, I kind of told him, Hey, I'm, I'm going to stick around for another year. But after this, I'm, I'm definitely looking to come over. And, um, it was ironic that the archers ended up drafting me, but Tom was kind of the main guy that I communicated with and he was, uh, very understanding and excited to, to get me over to the PLL. Um, kind of once I ran out my contract in MLL, but, um, you know, it was a really tough decision. It was, uh, you know, obviously, something unknown the PLL at that time and felt like felt confident that it was going to be successful but knew that what we had kind of built in Denver was really special and just wasn't quite ready to uh, leave that behind yet yeah and I mean you look at this championship game it's flooded with Denver outlaws like we mentioned uh but looking at some of the the younger guys on this water dogs team too that have been able to kind of you know make big splashes, no pun intended, uh, for you guys this year. Most notably, Philly guy Michael Sowers playing in his first full season. What's it like being around him, uh, you know, just on and off the field, seeing the just ridiculous things he's able to do with the ball and his stick and kind of be a young leader on this team? Yeah, Mikey is an awesome guy off the field. Um, I, I think, you know, everyone in our locker room is, but he's he's just a fun guy to be around and, um, he's always got a smile on his face and once he kind of crosses over that line onto the field, he turns into that ultimate competitor and you have a ton of confidence when that guy's on your team and the ball's in his stick. Um, you know, he, to give him credit, he's going up against the other team's best defender every time he steps on the field and he pretty much delivers every time, but going back to last year, he only played two games. He played the first game and I was dealing with some injuries and then he came back and played our semifinal game. So like, even though it's his second year, it kind of felt like, you know, this was really his first 
first year in the PLL and just speaking with him, um, managing those expectations too of like, hey, you've only played two games, like you're, you're still figuring it out, but it's going to work. And I think as the year went on, his confidence kind of grew and he really uh, started to attack the goal and, and understand and be a leader within our offense. So it's been awesome playing with him. Like, I'm really glad I don't have to guard him because anytime that happens in practice, it does not go well for me. <laughs> been there. It, it's it's not fun playing the best guy in practice. But, um, you know, you brought up the competition level that you guys have as a team. You guys play so calmly with that competition level. Um, but you guys still have the passion and all the energy and personality that every other team has. How do you guys keep yourselves so calm? Yeah, I think it goes back to just guys with experience in those big games. Like Dylan Ward has won at every level. He's an all-world goalie. He's won a gold medal with Team Canada. He's won in the MLL. He's won in the NLL. He's won in senior. He's won in junior. So I, I think stemming from that, it gives us a ton of confidence knowing that that guy's our, kind of our brick wall behind the foundation. So we also have guys like Mikey Schlosser, who was on that Outlaws championship team. Um, you know, guys like Zach Currier, again, who's won at every level. And just up and down our roster, there's a really good mix of experience and youth. And I think, like, even guys like Kieran McArdle, who's been playing for nine years, and this is his first time in the championship game, he's been, like, a really, really good calming presence for us especially late in games when the ball's in his stick, just good things seem to happen. Um, and then, you know, you look at other guys too, like Connor Kelly, who's who has a championship pedigree going back to college and, and winning one with the Whip Snakes his first year in the PLL. Um, there's just a, a kind of a quiet confidence with the group, and I think that's something that um, our captains do a great job of instilling too with Steve DiNapoli and Liam Burns and – we just are, are confident that no matter what situation we get ourselves into, um, we can find a way to win. And, th and that's something that Coach Copeland talked about a lot this week, too, especially when we were down two goals at multiple points in the game. He just said, like, when you guys are in a hard situation, that is when you're at your best. And I think we all really believed that and um, just – Myself, especially, I've been trying to focus on just staying in the moment during these playoffs and not worrying about what the score is and, and just trying to really focus my energy on what's going on right now and, and what I can do to, um, you know, make a positive impact on my teammates and, and help us win. Do you think there's going to be, obviously it's a championship game, there's going to be added intensity, but knowing Who's going to be coming in your guys' direction defensively and Wardo behind you, knowing that Josh Byrne, Dane Smith, Chase Frazier, Chris Cluche, and the rest of those Bandits boys just are, you know, still fresh in their mind that they lost an NLL championship against Dylan Ward. How much added intensity on top of it being another championship go-round for those guys do you think there's going to be uh, in your guys' matchups against them? Yeah, I mean, we have a ton of respect for those guys um, as a, as a guy who's kind of found box lacrosse later in my career and, uh, and started to play more in the NLL. Like I'm really familiar with most of their games just from the indoor perspective. And I know that a lot of them, 
have had success in the indoor game. Um, you know, Dane Smith was the MVP a couple years ago. Um, Cloutier's really found a home in Buffalo and, and been incredible for them. Um, you know, and Josh Byrne has, has been one of the better players in the league in the NLL and in the PLL and MLL for a long time. So they have the experience of playing in big games, whether it's box lacrosse or field lacrosse. And uh, I think there's a lot of parallels between our two teams where there's just guys who show up in the biggest moments and, and have their best when they need it the most. And I think with both of us, you might not always see that earlier in the regular season, but for some reason, when, uh, when it gets harder and, and when it gets more intense, um, that brings the best out of both of our teams. I'd be remiss because I'm pretty sure the last time you were on the show was during the NLL season. I'm dubbing you guys the San Diego Super Seals. Talk to me about this offseason and just seeing the just ridiculousness that has gone on with the Seals in terms of bringing in Curtis Dixon, Kevin Crowley. Like, this team is loaded. Yeah, I uh, the first I kind of heard about it was I had a like a FaceTime call with Trey LeClaire when I was working, a, I think, a tryout or a camp or something. He's like, hey, like, do you know what we just signed? <laughs> I was like, no, like, did we get Dixon? Did we get Crowley? He's like, no, we got both of them. I was like, wow, um, <laughs> that is insane. So, like, talk to, I talked to Patty Merrill later that day, and, and he was just kind of filling me in. So, you know, I, I think our offense was good last year with the Seals, but now it's, like you said, it's it feels like a super team um, out the front door. So, um, I think that definitely puts a little pressure on our defense um, to be at our best because we know that we have uh, one of, if not the best, offenses on paper at least in the whole league. So I'm really excited to to play with those guys. You know, I, I've played against Curtis for a while, and um, he is an absolute headache to stop. And uh, and Kevin, I've been watching for a long time as well, and both field and box. And you know, I know they're both really high character guys with championship pedigree. So I'm as I, as much as I'm uh, looking forward to this weekend, uh, I know that, you know, a couple months down the line, it's going to be pretty awesome to be in a locker room with those guys. And you also got one of the best face-off guys on the planet coming to San Diego with Connor Farrell now, too. Yeah. yeah. I said they drafted Sisselberger as well, so that's going to be a battle out there. Yeah, I guess my uh, my 38% face-off percentage was uh, not enough, so we're looking at some other options, which I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch the Seals play this year, not only just because of my you know relationship with Kevin and everything and seeing him go out there, and obviously our relationship as well. You guys, I think, are going to be super formidable out in that wild, wild west. Um Going into to Sunday, though, against Chaos, what are you know some things that you guys have talked about to kind of prepare for them uh, and what you guys have kind of picked up on film from you know past times against playing against those guys and uh, what's kind of been the message from Coach Copeland and the rest of the coaching staff to just stay you know mentally locked in and be prepared for just a, a crazy atmosphere? Yeah, I think uh, we've gotten into a really good routine as a team of uh... – meeting during the week, um, whether we're, we're doing that over zoom or just FaceTimes, um, and, and really just diving into the preparation a little bit earlier in the week. So, you know, we had a team 
uh, video chat on Monday, just starting to look at the film from the other semifinal game, Archer's Chaos, and trying to pick up tendencies and, and see what this offense looks like. And, you know, obviously they have some juggernauts, like Kluche had an unbelievable game. Josh Byrne is one of the best attackmen in the world. And, and Dane Smith is an unbelievable uh, distributor with the ball. So I think really we're, we're going to focus on um, sticking to our identity on the defensive end and just trying to keep guys to areas where we know Wardo can make saves. And um, I think, you know, this is, again, this is a game where both teams are super talented. You have two of the best goalies in the world and it's going to come down to uh, controlling the tempo of the game and, and making less mistakes than the other team does. Are there matchups, you know, cause I look at, the polls that you guys have on your team from yourself all the way at the top to Sabia at the bottom, all five of you can play all around the field, whether it's LSM or down at close. And that fluidity has been great for you guys and not really having matchups throughout the year. Are you guys going into this game with matchups or, you know, anything that you guys are trying to do in terms of who you're putting where, or is it kind of just, you know, play, play six man uh, team defense? Yeah, I, I won't get uh, too specific, but there, there's definitely a couple um, matchups that we'd like to keep, whether that's a certain short stick or a certain pull on somebody. Um, I think we've done a very good job of playing inside out as a unit the last few games. Um, so, you know, we're, we're not going to panic if we get into a situation where there's a matchup that we maybe we're not comfortable with from a scouting perspective. Um, Cause I think, you know, just, just looking at a few games, you know, you see, for example, like a top attackman gets matched up with a short stick. Sometimes teams are sending two guys to the ball or sending a guy immediately and you're really creating offense. So I think part of our mentality late, late in the season has just been to not create offense and make sure that um, if we have to go, we're going to go. Um, but we're really trying to maintain like proper matchups and play defense from the inside out and give, give Wardo opportunities to make saves on outside shots. It is one of those bag of tricks things that I think Andy Towers and, and Chaos's coaching staff kind of hold on to for the playoffs. But whenever you guys play Chaos, do you do you prepare for Blaze to, you know, run out of the cage and, and try to, you know, recreate everything he did at Albany and, you know, just his ability, uh, you know, to shoot the ball that he brings from the NLL playing forward for the wings? Is that something you guys prepare for? Or is that just something that, like, in the spur of the moment, if it happens, you just got to be locked in for it? Yeah, I think it's something that we're aware of in the back of our head. I wouldn't say we necessarily prepare for it, especially just knowing that, like, he's one of the best ball stoppers in the world. So I think a big focus for our offense is, you know, to just shoot your shot and not um, get too worried about a scout or anything like that. Um, Cause you see it with Wardo too. I think guys sometimes get a little bit um, panicked when he steps out of the cage and they don't know what to do and end up missing the net. So I, I think it's definitely like something that we're aware of. I, I've been playing against Blaze since we were like in elementary school. So I'm, I'm definitely pretty familiar with him and have a ton of respect for his game. So uh, hoping he doesn't come rumbling down the field, but I, I think we'll be ready if he does. What do you think of the non-cup new trophy 
uh, for the PLL as well. Brand new trophy, obviously paying homage to the past as well. But what were your thoughts when you saw the unveiling of the new trophy? Yeah, I, I thought it looks really cool. It was kind of uh, interesting to see um, the process and all the intricacies that go into making a trophy like that. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of a cool step forward if, if that's the trophy that will continue to be um, the PLL championship trophy. That'd be awesome. Like, you know, obviously being a hockey fan with the Stanley Cup, I think there's a ton of history there. And if you can kind of build something like that, especially for a league that's really only in its uh, fourth year, um, that adds a little bit of allure and um, a little bit more mystique to, uh, to that trophy for sure. What will it mean to you, obviously not looking too far ahead, but if you guys are, you know, inevitably the team hoisting that trophy, uh, you know, Sunday night, what will it mean to you for your career and everything to have been able to accomplish it your rookie year in the MLL and then obviously add a PLL title to your resume as well? Yeah, um, that, that would be incredible. I mean, since coming over, um, you know, three years ago to the league, that's that's been my goal and been humbling to lose in the semifinals first year with the archers and then last year with the dogs so you know i think i have a different understanding of how difficult it is even just to get to this game um after winning it my first year it was like kind of this magical run where we win a you know one or two goal game last regular season game in atlanta just to make the playoffs and then go and beat the Bayhawks by like a goal or two and then get to the championship and win, you know, you're, you're not thinking this is easy, but you're like, okay, like I'll probably be back here a decent amount of times. And, you know, this is my first time being back in five years. So I think just with that experience, it's really important for myself and for our team just to focus on the process and, and really not worry about the outcomes and understand like, yeah, like there, two things can happen. We can either win, and it's awesome, and um, you know that's that's going to be really an incredible feeling that I'd like my teammates to have too. Just knowing what that feels like, but at the same time, I know what it feels like to lose a championship. And I think going into the game, you just have to understand that both of those are possible, and and you can really only control your own kind of. Uh, 10 feet of grass. And, and if you do that and all your teammates buy in, it's, it's kind of like the old, you know, I hate to say it, but the, the Belichick adage of do your job. And, and I think that's something we've had so far in terms of a team focus in the playoffs. And we need to continue to do that uh, this weekend. You got anything else for Eli Deej? Uh Yeah. Just one question. Uh, you're now wearing purple pretty much year round um, playing with the seals and the water dogs. Could you just like rank the the pro jerseys you're wearing right now, like top to bottom, which ones you think are the best? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I really, really like our black jerseys that we wear on the seals. Um, we ha- <laughs> I think we lost like the first three games we played in them, but I think we won our our last game wearing them. So those ones those ones are pretty awesome. Um, I like the. Uh, I like the water dogs, dark purple ones. Um, those are probably number two. And then I think I'd go with the, uh, the purple seals jerseys and then the, uh, the lavender, I think water dogs jerseys, and then the, the gray seals jerseys top to bottom. 
We need the water dogs to whip out those blackout ones that they uh, <laughs> unveiled last year too. I'd love to see those on the field. Yeah. Oh, I will. I'd say that the portal mesh jersey is probably number one. Actually, I forgot about that, that one. Was one. Those fire. are those it was are pretty great. sick. Um. So yeah, I'm glad most of us got to to keep those, which is pretty cool. So that'll be a a good one to pull out of the closet, uh, maybe in ten or twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, it's always a blast having you on and uh, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, kicking some ass out there at Subaru Park. Best of luck, and uh, hopefully, you know, after the game, we'll be talking to you about a championship and uh, celebrating with you, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Go Birds. Go Birds, baby. Go Pack. Shout out to Eli for coming back on the program it's always a blast having him on the show and it certainly will not be the last because you know he's a philly boy uh go birds obviously and uh i think he eli brings a perspective that not a lot of people can because you know he brings up not having played or even really known liam burns and ben randall and they've kind of meshed into just you know this this super defensive unit that nobody talks about they're unheralded they're underrated and undervalued in terms of just being as dominant as they are and uh i'm excited to see him out there on the field taking on these chaotic bandits on sunday let's flip the script Dej, and talk about the defending champs these these os boys they're hungry they feel slighted not the the best regular season for them for a number of reasons, um, but they find a way to win in the playoffs all the time. Third straight championship game, they just don't quit on themselves. No matter what the circumstances are, they will always go out and give it 110%. Um, I think for this team, what I'm looking forward to the most is just championship challenge won a championship in 2020 with the cannons in the bubble for the MLL. He has that championship pedigree, but this is his first time playing in a championship game on chaos in the PLL. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to just see how he continues to step up for this team. Uh, Jack talked about it earlier, like challenge the guy that he's the new guy, but everybody knows him. Um, and I think playoff KJ is a, a, a thing like, AT talked about um, in the press conference, like playoff Blaze, playoff Max Adler. Like, yes, those things are 100% true. But I feel like nobody brings up the fact that when the playoffs roll around, Kyle fucking Jackson is a certified menace and always is in the right place at the right time and finds a way to put the ball in the back of the net and be just an absolute force. And it was very telling when – not only the chaos guys in the press conference talked about KJ, but you also had the uh, the archers guys talking about how well Kyle Jackson performed against them. That's the tip of the cap for a guy who I think does not get nearly enough love as he deserves. Yeah, I thought KJ played phenomenal last weekend, and I thought he did the same thing last year. Like I was there in uh, Salt Lake when he exploded for five against uh, five goals against the archers in that quarterfinal game, and and that's when I believe like. I saw that was my birth and in, in, in introduction to playoff KJ. He exploded last year and did the same thing. It was very helpful in both the semi and championship game for them last year. This year he's continuing to do the same thing. Um, but to 
I, I, you know, he's another one of those players I think is just going to do his thing. Excuse me, along with Chris, Josh, Dane. I'm interested to see which one of the next three guys that I'm going to say is going to pop off for a game because they're all overdue for one. Ryan Smith has been getting time here and there. If he happens to play, he's definitely overdue for a game, and he's one of those sneaky guys that could just have three goals before you know it, and you're like, whoa, what happened? And then you also have the the shooting ability of Mac O'Keefe. It hasn't been on display a ton this year, but he could definitely pop off with a few twos or have some step downs from, you know, 10 to 12. They're going to ring a pipe and go in. Like there are so many opportunities for him in this game. And then also a guy that plays with so much energy that's kind of been overlooked the last few games because of Chris and Josh down at attack. But our boy Fraze, Chase Frazier definitely has an opportunity to pop off this game. Um, He's going to have a tough matchup depending on which – it doesn't really matter which one of those dogs guys he gets. It's going to be a tough matchup. But there's going to be a lot of emphasis on Chris and Josh. So there should be some opportunity for Chase to have some one-on-ones or uh, even getting some pick-and-roll action on the backside and, um, or even get some cuts and be wide open for some opportunities in front. So one of those three guys should have a big game. And, and um, I shouldn't say should. They could have a big game, and if Chaos wants to win, then one of those guys is going to have to have a big game. I'll tell you who I think it should be if Chaos wants to win. Mac O'Keefe. Because he is their true legitimate two-point threat. Um, you know, not including, you know, your your Troy Rays and your CJ Costabiles and, and Jared Newmans. But, like, Mac is that one sneaky from-range guy who can be crafty and put it in the back of the net from anywhere on the field. And when the water dogs have players like Rylan Reese, like Connor Kelly, who led the league in two pointers. Um, I'm trying to think of who else on that team. I mean, Ethan Walker can hit from two. Jack Hanna has hit from two. Like the water dogs have guys with range. Chaos have guys with range, but Mac O'Keefe is kind of that sneaky guy that, people kind of forget about in turn just because of the immense amount of talent on this chaos squad that they kind of sometimes leave him alone on an island and you know he'll make you pay for that um i think for chaos the big thing that i'm looking at is just who gets that i'm sure it will be matt reese uh as that third defenseman but i'm just intrigued to see who at feels comfortable throwing out there in a championship game and then just the deployment of matchups. You know, who's going to get Michael Sowers? Who's going to get Ethan Walker? Who's going to get Kira McCardle? Um, you know, who kind of draws that Connor Kelly matchup? Who draws, uh, you know, just some of these guys that this Water Dogs team, they're so crafty and so different across the board that I'm just intrigued with how AT is going to play with his chessboard uh, throughout this game. Definitely. This is going to be a chess master kind of game. Copeland and AT are great at making adjustments and putting the right players in the right spots. So it's going to be a lot of back and forth with that. And it's going to be a battle. Um, but ironically, the one thing I'm looking for that I know no one else in the entire stadium is going to be looking for is how the backup goalies are going to be on the bench. 
because they are two totally different people. Like DeLuca has some energy, but he does not show it a lot. He shows it in very select moments, but he's very much like an added coach on the bench, always with the iPad or the clipboard saying this, saying that, pulling this up, pointing this out. And then you have caught on the other side who is just a raging ball of energy. Like that's all he has on the sideline. He's pushing guys around. He's screaming. He's shouting. He's, He's, you know, congratulating guys. He's pointing this out. He's communicating to guys on the field, helping in the box, helping the coaching staff, and just is is loud and boisterous and just has so much going on. Like, I'm excited to see the difference and how that translates to the game and, like, how that plays in the team. Because, like, ironically, the way their teams play and, like, how they hold themselves and, and present themselves on the field is ex- exactly how they're – backup goalies are on, on the benches. Chaos is very loud, in your face, got a lot going on, and, and play with a lot of emotion. And then you have water dogs who are a lot more calm, a lot more um, methodical, and, and very just laid back, but still giving it to you in the best way possible. Yeah, and I mean, even without the backup goalies, this is going to be a battle of two Hall of Fame goalies. Blaze, we talked about Dylan Ward earlier. Blaze making that save with his wet shorts to push chaos to the championship game. He's obviously been the best goalie in the league, uh, you know, and arguably was this year as well, even under the circumstances that chaos were in. Um, but I'm just intrigued to see these two offenses try to solve the puzzles that are Dylan Ward and Blaze Reardon. Like, it's it's an obvious matchup because the object of the game is to score in terms of just winning and losing, but it's going to be fascinating in a championship setting to just see who's able to kind of crack the code first on the opposing goalie. Because I think that's what it's going to come down to. Goalie's going to be huge in this game. Championship games are huge. Obviously, both defenses are good. Both offenses are good. They're going to break each other down, and they're going to get good shots off. So really going to come down to face-offs once again, which team has the ball more, and then shots on goal and, and goalie play, which which team is making the most saves and, and getting shots on net. So, I mean, what better way to pick the brain and jump into a goalie state of mind than with the 2021 PLL MVP, two-time goalie of the year, Blaze Reardon. <laughs> All right, everybody, as we mentioned on the show, we do a big for championship week, and I don't think there's anything bigger than getting one of our White Whale guests and a first-time appearance on the Outside the Box podcast that has probably been four years in the making since I met our guy, Blaze Reardon, covering the Philadelphia Wings. He's obviously two-time goalie of the year in the PLL, the 2021 PLL MVP and he's competing for a second straight championship now. And if you go back to the bubble, third straight. Blaze, welcome to the show. And as LeBron James once said, it's about damn time. Yeah, I appreciate that, KB. I got to correct you. I come I come correct every time. Uh, three-time goalie of the year. There but, it is. Hey, that's not a big deal. I'm not worried about that. We got, we got much bigger things on our plate this weekend. And uh, I appreciate the love. And I'm happy that I got the opportunity to hop on here and you know, talk about, you know, the biggest weekend of professional cross this summer. So let's roll. 
We uh we got to discuss it in the press conference last week in DC, but obviously you've made your home Philadelphia, obviously playing with the Wings, you know, your girlfriend in Philly as well and you know, you just kind of made this home 2.0 for you. Uh how like special is it that you're going to be able to compete for a title, you know, in your home city? Yeah, I think it's obviously very special. I'm pretty active in the community. Um, you know, I, I consider this a lacrosse hotbed. You got Philly, uh, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, you know, all surrounding areas. It's huge in lacrosse. Uh, I got my foot in all of those doors. I run youth lacrosse camps. I run youth lacrosse teams. And I get to schools um, in the inner city, and I introduce the game of lacrosse. So to kind of be able to practice what I preach and, you know, for the kids to see their coach firsthand, someone that's given them advice, someone that's tried to help them along the way, go and do it themselves, I think is is going to be huge. And um, I got a lot of family and friends coming. And uh, I'm, I most look forward to bringing the Oz guys out to get some grub and show them around the city and, you know, just enjoy a weekend together um, with, a, with a ton of magnitude on the backside. You said all season, too, obviously – you know, regular season, the record didn't reflect, I think, the way that you guys wanted the year to go. But as soon as, you know, you clinched that playoff spot that final week of the season, you and Jack Rowlett, who was on the show earlier, also said, like, it's a new season. Everything that happened in the regular season doesn't matter anymore. The postseason's here and we get a fresh start. And that's exactly what you guys have been able to do. You've taken advantage of the two opponents in front of you and punched your ticket to another championship game. Uh, even in a season of ups and downs, what is it like knowing that, you know, this team has the ability to kind of click when it actually matters, and that's the postseason, when it is win or go home every single week? You know, first and foremost, I think people really underestimate the 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 hill that we have to climb as a team, having 75% of our guys be NLL and PLL players. Um, no other professional athletes expected to mentally and physically compete 11 and a half, you know, and in some cases – all 12 months out of the year. And, uh, you know, I said it last year after we won the championship, you know, you put so much time and effort mentally and physically into achieving something. And then I look and 21 days later, it's circled that my training camp for the wing start. And now you're starting over and, you know, it beats you up men mentally and physically and you have to build chemistry. Uh, the week long that we, get in the PLL at training camp is really a huge development week. And when you don't have, you know, uh, eight of your starting players um, there for the week, and then they're just coming off a devastating championship loss, like there's a lot that goes into it. And we knew the end goal. We knew what needed to be accomplished in order for us to get a chance to see that finish line. And that was, you know, going two and eight this year, which, you know, has obviously upset some people and I, I get it. I think your body of work needs to be displayed, but at the same time, those are the rules. We made it in. And then once we were able to see that finish line, we knew all we had to do is go three and oh for a chance to raise the crown again. And um, I think seeing that finish line and, you know, having the guys, you know, starting to click a little bit more, it just all kind of lined up at the right time. And, you know, here we are. And I know you as a goalie, I'm sure you're thrilled to have those Bandits guys on your side rather than having to be Dylan Ward facing them in two straight championship games. Uh, what do, What is their mindset from your perspective of knowing that, you know, they're going to get another crack at Wardo and, you know, there's a 
there's a, a vengeance that they want to, you know, go out and reap and, and potentially, you know, if everything goes chaos's way, which I'm sure all of you feel you have that opportunity, they're going to get that revenge on Dylan Ward. Yeah, um, you know, I, I first and foremost, I think Wardo, you know, one thing that stuck out to me from playing with him in the bubble and just kind of being around the game and knowing who he is, is he he shows up in big moments. He has a lot of championships and he's he's not a huge vocal guy and he's not overly athletic, but he just wins. He's a winner. Um, He's got this demeanor to him. And, um, you know, I, I, you saw that in the NLL championship and just talking with the guys, man, it's like, you know, you talk about revengeance and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, th- this this version, the, the goal is six by six and the ball is pretty small. You know, like I wouldn't worry. I always tell my kids, don't worry about what's in the net. Look at the net, you know, see the net. And I think the less they think about it and the more they just play and, you know, shoot their spinning shots and they're behind the backs and they're around the worlds and they're not focused on what's what else is in front of them, I think is going to give us our best opportunity to win. Um, with that being said, you know, I know these guys deep down, they're competitors. Um, I know they have a stinging sensation at the bottom of their stomach. So I'm sure I'm going to get the, the brunt of that in practice on Saturday, which uh, which I guess is, is what I signed up for. But hopefully it translates to Sunday and uh, they can light the lamp on their end. And Max continues to do what he does at the X and um, we can settle in and start playing some good six on six defense early and then just you know, kind of, you know, keep our foot down for the full 48 minutes. And then uh, I'm sure Deej is going to follow up on this because I kind of asked Jack Rowlett a a similar question, but, uh, you know, Jack and Jared have been in front of you the the first four years of the PLL. They've been kind of the anchors of this defense. And then you've had that, you know, quote-unquote third spot kind of rotate a little bit this year with just, you know, some new guys on the roster, Matt Reese coming back. What's it been like for you kind of just, you know, being in control, those guys in front of you, seeing everything in front of them, uh, and, you know, just working with a multitude of guys now uh, along with Jack and Jared? Yeah, I'm sure those guys will, you know, I'm sure they would tell you the same thing, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a control guy. Like I'm not telling them how they need to play. I'm not telling them don't do this. Don't do that. Um, you know, in my eyes, they've got to where they are being themselves. Uh, something coach Mar really instilled in me at Albany is that you're here for a reason. And, you know, you have a certain amount of set of skills that maybe the next guy doesn't and it's your job to use those skills and i'm more of the voice of reason you know i like to calm everyone down or if we let in a couple goals you know i'll just my fault hey don't worry about it let's get the next one um but as far as like that third guy man like you know last year in that championship game like through that playoff run like people didn't talk about johnny Serdic enough man like that dude locked it down in the playoffs and like this year Matt Reese, you know, dominating, dominating that third spot for us. And I think just guys being, you know, I I think it's a product of them feeling comfortable being down there knowing that they're not on a leash, knowing that they're not going to get yelled at by me, you know, just go out, play your game, be physical. We're going to fly around. We're going to have your back. And, you know, if you do get beat, like, that's why I'm standing in that. I'm supposed to you know, bail you out, and I'm going to do that to the best of my ability, and let's just run for 48 minutes and, and be hungry. And uh, 
you see the guys just flourishing around me. They've, you know, this defense has been nothing short of spectacular the last two weekends. So hopefully we can put together a third. You know, you talk about Johnny Serdic and Matt Reeves not getting enough love. I think a guy who didn't get like pretty much any love this year in terms of media and just out on, you know, Twitter and stuff on socials was Zach Geddes. Not necessarily from you guys, just from everyone else. Like no one talked about Zach and like that third spot he filled in that short stick D mid lineup. Uh, just what was it like playing with him and how important was he to you guys? Yeah, um, I think both Zach and Brett, uh, BK, Brett Kennedy, um, you know, they they got to playing games and when they showed up on the weekends and when they showed up at training camp, like guys talked about it, man. Like they both had this kind of aura around them that they were both mature, like pro ready right off the get go. And um, it's hard to come into a team that's had success and, um, you know, a, their true testament of who they are as people and who they are as competitors are, you know, the last uh, four weeks, they haven't been in the lineup, but they're on the Zoom calls every single week. And, you know, they're texting us before the game and they're still being students of the game. And, um, you know, I kind of explained to them that I was a four year backup in the MLL too, first time ever. And this is part of the ride. And this is really going to show, you know, when you say you're willing to do whatever it takes, like this is part of whatever that takes. And they've handled it like pros and, um, you know, they both stand out in their own way. But, you know, talking about Zach, man, like at times, like if he gets in the open field, he will be the fastest player on the field. And there's no doubt about that. Um, and he's got a bright future. And I'm just happy that we've been able to kind of build a relationship and develop a little bit. And I'm expecting big things down the road from him. You've yeah. gotten a chance now too. Uh, you know, you brought up ads and AT brings up you and Max Adler a ton, you know, playoff blaze, playoff Max. I brought this up to him in the press conference. And I want to get your perspective now that you've gotten a chance to kind of almost play with him uh, this entire year. Playoff Kyle Jackson, how valuable is he to this team? And what do you think it is about KJ that when, you know, the postseason lights turn on, he's shining the brightest and he just goes out there and he's, you know, putting balls in the back of the net that nobody would even think about doing. Yeah, uh, I think for him, it's like, you know, the harder the the harder you work, like he's someone that can go 10 games in the regular season and have five goals. But every single shift that he's out there, he's doing the right thing. He's running hard to set his pick. He's getting tough ground balls. He's getting off when coach is calling. And I think the more consistent you are, you know, the luckier you get. And uh, he just happens to be someone that the lights never really get too bright for him. And you know, if you focus on that, you know, first tier of guys, you if you're too worried about Byrne and Dane Smith and Challen and those guys, well, you know, here you are. Here's Kyle Jackson putting a hat trick up on you in the biggest game of the year. Um, and uh, his maturity, you know, we talk about him having two kids. and But just his maturity as a player um, and as a teammate, like it's never been about Kyle Jackson. It's always been about our team. And you know, good things happen to good people. And it always lines up that he comes up in huge moments um, for us. And, you know, I kind of think that's the identity of our team. You think about all these Canadian dudes, like we grow up, like they grow up. And when we play in box series, you're playing, you know, best four out of seven series from the time you're, you know, 15 to the time you're done playing box across um, in the summer. And those are, those are grueling series. You know what I mean? You're playing back to back games and, 
You know, so I think like the toughness during playoffs like really stems from being able like they we, they've gone so deep their whole life like playing in seven games in nine days a box across with wooden sticks that like these moments aren't too big and they're willing to go to those depths and um you know it's kind of our identity and our in our team maturity and uh that's one thing that you know I kind of told these guys that our wins haven't come from talent um they haven't come from that it's come from our team maturity. We're a young team. If you look at our, you know, age compared to most, I'd say I think we're probably the third youngest team in the league. And we didn't take one penalty last weekend. Uh, we didn't go off sides one time last weekend. You know, we didn't throw the ball over someone's head clearing the ball one time. That's team maturity. And um, that, at the end of the day, is what's going to, you know, help us put ourselves in the most successful position uh, come this weekend. Yeah, you talk about Canadian guys. The next two guys we're going to talk about are far from Canadian, but definitely do the job, and they do it very well. You guys might have the best one-two LSM punch in the league between CJ Costabile and Troy Ray. Um, just, like, how important is it having those guys in the middle of the field doing what they do? Yeah, um, I'll never – you know, I, I played with Troy at Albany. Uh, like, I look at him almost like a little brother. Like, I never – you know – I'll give him a hug before every game and tell him I love him. Um, but other than that, I'll never tell him that he that he played great. Uh, I'll never tell him that he, you know, that he shut down the best midfielder in the world. I'll never tell him that he came up with three of the biggest ground balls. I, you know, his fuel comes from within and thinking that no one respects him. And you know, like if you look at his body of work, man, like he's six years into professional lacrosse started every single game as an LSM and, you know, is, has the duty of guarding their best midfielder and he's done a great job, you know, and then you add CJ like a veteran with like so much swagger and like his aura and demeanor, like the way he walks around, like this, that's a bad dude, man. Like he don't have to say much and, you know, he's scoring goals and he's still doing it. And, you know, you look at him at the end of the game and, you know, I'm drained and I look at him and he's just, you know, solid as can be, you know, ready to play another 48 minutes. And he's just, you know, a huge, great one-two punch between, you know, a fiery Troy Ray and just, you know, a, a veteran calm presence of CJ that, you know, anytime, you know, if we need a two ball, if we need to push transition, like those two are more than capable of making it happen. And, uh, that gives us a little insurance on the DN, knowing that we have those two two guys. You know, looking at this game plays, the the Water Dogs. We we were doing some research when Jack was on the show with us. Uh, they're the only team Chaos have not beaten in franchise history. You guys have not notched a win somehow against the Dogs yet, uh, and I think no better way for you guys to you know end that streak than with a championship on top of it. But you look at you know the guys that they put pose a threat with on offense with Michael Sowers, Kieran McCardle this year having a career year, potentially Ryan Brown coming back from injury. Uh, and then you look at the the two young bucks with Jack Hanna and Ethan Walker out there as well. From your perspective, what are some things that, you know, they do really well that you guys are trying to key in on and really prevent them from, you know, executing their style of play? Yeah. Um, from a team standpoint, like they're, you know, we're not, they're not someone that if you come out and play the first five minutes hard and you get a lead on them, that they're going to roll over. Like they're, they're tough. They have winners. You're going to have to play a full 48 minutes against them, you know, and, and you have to know that going in that they're going to go 48 deep on you. And um, then you add, you know, 
key pieces. You talk about the middle of the field, Zach Curry, or and not. You talk about Wardo, but offensively, you know, they're extremely unselfish. Um, and I think they have shooters all over the field. I think they're willing to make the one more at all times. Um, I think if you let them dictate what they want to do, meaning Kieran can, you know, uh, he can see the field and his hands are free and he's dancing around. Like he's going to make a play. Like they, they're, they're similar to us that we don't need five yards of space to create a shot. Like they have slick players. They have players that can shoot the ball all over the field. And um, the key against these guys is kind of bringing it to them and getting them outside their comfort zone and, um, you know, stopping the initial dodge. And they have midfielders that love to initiate. Uh, Jack Hanna's obviously, a big initiator, Connor Kelly, rolling back, both hands threat, like you got to be ready to slide. And then Zach Courier, we talk about, you know, he's not out of scoring range until he's five yards below GLE. So it's like if you got to you got to study the knowns. You got to know the knowns. You got to defend that. And then you have to apply a little pressure so they don't ever get comfortable and get kind of their flow going because that's when they get dangerous. And um, that's the things we're going to focus on. And um you know, I think it's going to be a great matchup. And in- I mean, looking at that defensive matchup, um, obviously Kieran's been the go-to guy down at attack. So, um, you know, that's that's going to be handled in some form. I don't know exactly who's going to go down there. I'm sure you're not going to share that either. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what is the plan in terms of them moving the ball, sliding, and just, you know, handling everyone else outside of Kieran? Yeah, Um You know, I think the one thing that we've really focused on as a team is um, playing as a six-man unit. Like, we've kind of been flying around. um, And I think where we um, kind of establish ourselves is that we're we're willing to slide and we're willing to fly around the field. And, you know, if that means giving up a 15, 14-yard shot, like, that's something we feel pretty comfortable with. I think we were having trouble in the beginning of the season identifying whether it was a, a, an actual threat on the dodge or if it was more what we consider a dummy dodge, like a dodge just to move the ball. And um, we started identifying that against the Chrome, you know, with their middies. Like if they're not going to dodge hard to score, like they're not going to earn that slide. Um, and uh, I think that's important with these guys. If you give them a slide and you then the ball's doing the work, like that's when they're most dangerous. Like if you make them get the ball stuck in their stick for 15 seconds, rolling back and forth, that's not as much their game. So just not giving them a free, you know, pass to move the ball around our offense and get us spinning um, and trying to keep up with the ball. It's a saying that you learn in youth across, you know, the ball moves faster than your feet. So we don't want to put ourselves in that situation, um, you know, and that's, you know, sticking to the, the minuscule details. Any um, plans into, like, how have you guys been looking at their roster? Because, like, obviously no one knows. I don't even think they know who's going to step out Sunday until it happens on Sunday. Are you guys paying attention to that at all with the injuries and stuff? Or are you guys just, you know, going to go out and the six that are out there are going to be the six you defend? Yeah. um, It's tough because, like, you want to assume Ryan Brown's going to be playing. Um, You know, you hate to see what happened to Mikey Slosser. He's a great player, great person like you know you just hate to see that in such a crucial moment of the season so uh, my thoughts are with him but um you know with that being said 
Um, it's a situation like you look at every team and like we just got done playing the archers. And if you look at like Ryan Ambler, Tom Schreiber, Matt Moore, like you're talking about three guys that can all use two hands and run at the speed of light. Right. Like like you have to have all eyes on those guys. And, um, you know, every time you go out there, you're saying, oh, we have to put a, a poll on Tom Schreiber. The poll has to go to Tom Schreiber, no matter what. He earned that respect. You know, with these guys, it's like they do such a good job spreading the ball around. And, like, we're going to have to kind of see who's doing the initiating from them up top. And, like, we have the ability to make that um, change, you know, from an athletic standpoint. Like, hey, Troy, CJ, you're going to go cover this guy because he's the one initiating. He's the one getting his hands free. He's the one drawing a slide. And you don't really have that luxury playing against the archers because it's Tom Schreiber. You'd be – Coach Towers would lose his job if he – put a short stick on them, you know, whether the results are there or not. So um, just having that confidence, knowing that we have the ability to do that, um, you know, I think kind of falls into us being able to dictate what's going to uh, occur on our end of the field. What has, uh, what's been the message from, from AT this week? Obviously you guys were in the bubble championship last year. You, you hoist the trophy and you're going for, you know, another one this year, but what are some similarities in, you know, his messages to you guys from years past going into a championship game? And what are some things that are different with this year's team? Yeah, he pretty much said, like, one more trip to the fucking grocery store. <laughs> he's like, stuff like that. No, no, he's, listen, AT is as real as it gets. Um, we do Zooms. Uh, we do a defensive Zoom on Tuesday, and he's on that. And then we do an offensive Zoom, and he really, like, breaks it down, like, almost to an elementary standpoint where a fourth and fifth grader would understand what we're trying to do. So there's no questions, um, you know, and once that's on the table, it's kind of about us, you know, bringing the swagger and, you know, and just playing the cross and being us. Um, you know, I think our mindset this week is like, there's so much going on. Um, you know, you talk about uh, Mikey Slosser, you talk about even Mikey Sowers, people are saying, oh, he's injured. Well, that's not what you need to focus on. That's not where your focus needs to be directed. You know what I mean? It needs to be directed on us and on the game. And then, you know, people are asking, Oh, can I get tickets? You know, people coming out of the, coming out of the woodworks, you know, Hey, it's your best friend, you know, from high school, can I get tickets? And you're like, Oh, so there's just a lot going on. So uh, his focus to us is to be confident, but not to skip um, the process. Uh, the process is what got us into this situation um and then his last message and i think this one's what's most important is that we just have to enjoy each other's presence this weekend and you know whether we win or lose the game this is this is the finish line for everyone you know and um you know the team has never looked similar two years in a row you lose people to trades you lose people to you know retirement all this stuff and this group's special and um, we've been down, you know, a deep hole. We've lost five games in a row and we've heard it from all ends and people wrote us off and, you know, here we are. And that really speaks to who this group is and the type of people we are. And we take pride in that. And um, we just got to come out and, you know, worry about our 19 guys against their 19 guys. And, um, you know, the atmosphere is going to be the atmosphere. The trophy is the trophy, but that's what it comes down to. Let's, let's see how dark – you know, we're willing to get, let's see how deep we're willing to drive for this last one for each other. And um, that's a special feeling that you don't get in everyday life. And, uh, you know, you talk about opportunities, um, you know, guys are willing to say that they would 
give it all for an opportunity like this. And uh, you can't take that for granted, even with being our third championship. You know, nothing's guaranteed after this, man. Like, I'm, I could never make another championship game. I could never play another game. You never know. So having it here on your plate, man, you got to you gotta take it all in and remember deep down that it's about the process. So should be should, should be a good weekend. I don't think you and I have ever gotten to – kind of discussed this because you know it was it was year one when we started covering the league too uh but obviously fate of a sport was on espn uh on thursday night what was kind of your you know journey to the pll and how you got involved initially and what was that kind of initial interaction with paul and mike to get you over to you know come join chaos and be part of the this new journey for the sport um yeah my process was um was you know, pretty different in the fact that I was a backup in the MLL and mentioned that. And Galloway obviously was a huge draw for the PLL. So Galloway went right away. And, you know, like here I am, I put four years into this team. I've only started two games. Um, and now my contract's going from $6,300 to now they're willing to offer me Galloway money. Like, hey, I'm all out. Like, we want you to be our starter for Dallas. So it's like, whoa, like, fuck, everything that I just worked for is like, here it is. Like, you got it. It's yours now. Um, And then you got, like, the PLL reaching out, like, coming in at, a, like, a lower offer. And, you know, at the time it was me and Charlie Cipriano that ended up going. And Sip was a starter in the MLL. So I don't think they s saw me coming in being a starter. And, um, you know, I just talked to a lot of people. That's, you know, one of – I got a ton of connections in this game and I got people's advice and, you know, I came back to the PLL and asked them to match my offer. Um, and they did. And on that email, Mike Rabel mentioned like that he matched this offer because this is for the players and that's what their core values are going to be. And um, that kind of showed me, you know, going out on a limb and, you know, giving me something that, you know, whether I deserved it or didn't deserve it, you know, like I was, I was a backup and he stuck his neck out for me. And um, that really means a lot to me. And I made the jump and uh, went to training camp and knew uh, it was me and SIP and the starting job was open. And um, obviously it, it really worked out well for me. Um, and, you know, it's kind of betting on yourself. It's kind of having the right people in your circle and uh, having great teammates. Um, so you know, you look back and you're like, wow, I'm glad that worked out for me. But at the same time, you know, you do the right things every day and, you know, you treat people with respect and, you know, you you think before you do, um, you know, shit's going to work out for you, whatever it is in life. And and if it doesn't, then you rebound and make it happen, you know, and that's just been my mentality and uh, just super blessed and grateful to be in the opportunity that I am today. And I don't take a minute for granted. And then, uh, you know, when the, the MVP award was announced this year, obviously your Wings teammate Trevor Baptiste takes it home. And the Wings, it, it didn't even hit me until they tweeted it out. But 2019, Rambo wins the MVP. 2021, you win the MVP. And then this year, Trevor wins it. For you guys, how special is it that, you know, come NLL season, you're all teammates. And then when you're all going to battle in the PLL, how cool is it, you know, when you step back and look that, you know, two of your your best friends are out there winning mvps along with yourself yeah you talk about like them being my wings teammates like you know 
beyond that, man, like we lived together all during COVID, you know, for a year and a half, um, us three lived together and we're friends and, you know, we, we challenge each other to be better. Um, and, you know, I laugh like, we, you know, Rambo's walking around with his championship trophy and the MVP trophy. And, you know, we're sitting there and I guess that fire makes it burn a little deeper watching him tr- tr- strut around the fucking house with it. So, you know, I had to come and collect mine. And then Trevor texted me and he's like, all right, now it's really on who's getting the fucking second one. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's listen, we're all on the say who's getting the second one. I said, that's a great point, Trev. I said, I'm going to guess it's going to be me though. And he's like, we'll see. We'll see. He calls me cuz. So I said, we'll see cuz. So uh, just having relationships like that, you know, guys that make you want to be better um, guys that, you know, you see him elevate his game, and now I want to elevate my game. We're always trying to outdo each other, but it's all out of love, and uh, there's so much respect there. The way he carries himself as a pro and, you know, everything that he's gone through, and, you know, I laugh. You know, I'm I'm 28 years old now. I think Trev's 26, man. He's still a young buck, but he's got veteran years under his belt, and uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, and I laugh cause I say, I'm going to be that retired old guy on the couch and you're still going to be out there and, you know, I'm going to be jealous, but keep doing your thing, man. And, uh, obviously excited to have the opportunity to strap it up with them with the wings and finish a little unfinished business that we have there. So yeah, you, yeah, you bring up awards. This is the first year you haven't won the goalie of the year award. Talk about, you know, Kyle and what he brought to the game this year and how he, um, caused you to elevate your play throughout the year and also just how he was eventually ending up being goalie of the year this year. Yeah, Kyle was kind of the – Kyle was the guy, you know, before the PLL was, you know, he was winning with the Ohio Machine. He's winning all these awards. Um, you know, he's got a lot of pro minutes under his belt. He's got championships. Um, and he he's someone that, you know, he, he's as fierce as competitor gets. We're business partners. Um, we run events together. Um, we talk and – you know, it's funny, our relationship's a little bit different. Like, we don't really talk too much shit to each other. Like, because I know how, like, straight-edged he is and, like, how much he cares. Whereas, like, me and Rambo, like, have a mutual, like, understanding that we're going to get after each other and we're going to throw some low blows at each other. But it's only out of love. So, like, our relationship's different in that sense. Like, from a playing standpoint this year, um, you know, he was as solid as it, as it gets. Um and he elevates, you know, you talk about that whip snakes defense, everyone. I mean, he's been the backbone of that. And um, I knew, you know, as soon as the, as soon as about the eight game mark, you know, I'm like this, this dude came out to play and it was great to see after having a struggling season, you know, as a goalie, we all respect each other. We know how difficult this position is. And, um, you know, during dark times, man, like, it's tough and you know he goes from being on the pedestal to being a backup and then losing a championship and you know he he put him his neck out on the line and he made it happen and he bounced out and that's you know life life's all about that and um for him to persevere and do that uh is great and i can probably tell you that he would do anything to trade his position to be in mind that's the type of person he is he's a lot like myself i don't think he cares much about those personal awards he's in it for the team award and you know, that feeling that's going to stick with you forever. So um, much love for him. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, he got it. And, you know, now it's my turn to go take back what's mine uh, next year. So new trophy, obviously, for uh, the championship now. 
Uh, you guys hoisted the cup. Now you got the the new trophy. What are your thoughts on that bad boy? And uh, you know how uh, how special again is it going to be if if you guys are the ones you know hoisting that first time uh, with that trophy? That thing's pretty sexy. Uh, you know, Tiffany did a good job, man. They they got that thing shining. It's blingy. You know, people talk about uh, not being able to drink out of the cup, you know, like can still use it as a luge. But, you know, I think it's unique, man. Like that's one thing. Like I think the PLL, like everyone has their opinion on the way uh, stuff should be done. You know, at the end of the day, Paul and Mike, this is their league. Like they're they're allowed to be unique in their own way. And that trophy is unique to this league. It's not like any other trophy that you've seen. Yeah. You know, you talk about years, oh, everyone, well, this is something new. Like, they're doing it their own way. This is the new age. They're they're all over social media. They're the, the word, a travel league. Like, be unique to yourself. And I think this trophy fits this league perfectly. And, um, you know, you, you, you dream of that moment where you get to hoist the thing over your head. And, like, in your arms, it feels like it, it's weightless. Um, but, like deep down in your heart like the trophy the symbol of the trophy itself means so much more like like just thinking about all the guys and what we've gone through and there's those long travel days and you know the bumps the bruises the sacrifices that you've had to give up like the people along the way that have been willing to sacrifice their own good for your greater good, man. Like that stuff all really hits you and puts it in perspective and it's all symbolized by a trophy. So I'm, I'm grateful and I'm ecstatic that the PLL made something special um, that we're all, you know, that winner and you'll get to share that. And uh, hopefully we're the first ones to do it and we'll leave our paw prints and our, and our lip marks all over the thing. And, you know, it will be great. So. I think that's a perfect way to to close it out. Deej, you have one last one last I do. one. Boy. Come on, man. I asked Eli this question as well. Yeah. Um, he's pretty much wearing purple all year. You're wearing red, black, white, a little bit of gold all year. If you had to rank your jerseys between wings and chaos top to bottom, what would they be? Well, the chaos jerseys this year, I don't know if you guys see, but uh, every year when – the team that wins the championship the previous year on the back of the logo, it's got the crown. So that's kind of unique uh, to our team. Uh, it's earned. Uh, I'm all about earning. So, um, you know, I think from a chaos Jersey standpoint, you know, I would say we're probably like a 9.1. Um, I like the logo. I like the colors. Um, I, I, I like the jerseys that we wore in the uh, bubble that kind of had like the rock star uh, red and black. Like, I think that was cool. I think you had a little bit of that in. Um, but no, I would say a solid 9.1. Um, and then for the wings, you know, I grew up, I watched NLL growing up. So I remember the old wings colors, like like that, that silky silver, you know, like that was big time. But, you know, I think our logo is pretty clean. Um, and you like black and gold, you know, and red are like three, like pretty strong, fierce colors. And like, I think they all complement each other. Uh, I'm going to go probably with a, a nine point, uh, a nine point five on the wings jerseys. They got the bigger name plates on the back. They they're pretty fit. And, uh, 
you know, everything's hand sewn on them and you can see the details of that. And uh, that's pretty special. So that's what I got for you, Deej. What did you think of the porthole mesh jerseys too in Denver? Did you like those? Uh, yeah, they don't have much give, man. I got broad <laughs> shoulders, if you want to say it like that. I don't know what you want to say. You call me, I feel that. Call I relate big, very much to that. You can call me big bone, but I don't know, man. When the, the jersey doesn't stretch like that, I kind of felt a little bit like I was like I was trapped in there. And you talk about the, the air holes breathing. Uh, it don't matter. It's the heat of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I got an undershirt on. I didn't feel much breeze at all, so I'm I'm cool with hanging that one up on the wall and uh, never wearing it again in a, in a in a in a competition. So you didn't go shirtless? <laughs> nah, that's not my game, man. That's Frazier. That was Frazier. <laughs> Once he did it, I said, "There's no chance I'm doing this, man." Jack, game said, over. The same. Jack said the same thing. He said, "You know, Chase is jacked. He's got all the tattoos and everything, so he can go shirtless." And I'm over here scrawny and skinny. I I had to wear a t-shirt under that thing. Yeah, Chase is talking about doing the old like titty bump at three scores. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna just put my shirt on and let's just get through this game, man. This isn't for me, right? So. It's all good, man. That's that's us, though, in a nutshell. That's Oss Ball, baby. That and, is Oss uh, Ball. So. Blaze, best of luck this yeah. weekend. Excited to see you uh, on Friday, obviously, at Media Day, and then on Sunday at the game. And uh, best of luck, and hopefully you guys are, you know, hoisting that trophy, like you said, and celebrating in your hometown. I appreciate that, fellas. Thanks for your time, and uh, go Oss. Go Oss. <laughs> Shout out to Blaze, finally, a friend of the program. Uh, very insightful, very just like fun conversation, and uh, that will definitely not be the last time Blaze is on the show. Um, I'm excited for this game, man. I'm excited. It's the last one of 2022, which means it's the last time. In 2022 PLL form, that uh, that we feed ducks. That we feed some ducks. It is the PLL playoffs, Philadelphia final pick of the week, powered by our homies over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports. The NFL is here. Play those. Week-to-week NFL props on Pickup's website. All you got to do is sign up with your phone number. It's so easy. A duck could do it. Uh, Go to playpickup.com. Sign up with your phone number. Rack up points on your fan profiles for getting props correct. Cash them in for prizes on the Pickup Marketplace. That's playpickup.com. And start playing those headlines. One final one for the money, Deej. The championship game is here. If everybody knows, if you're a longtime listener, I predicted the NLL champions. Will I get the PLL champions? That remains to be seen. But it is chaos versus water dogs. A five seed in the dogs, a seven seed in chaos. This game's so unpredictable. It could go either way. My heart is just saying I hope both teams have fun. That's why I bet the over this week. I want both teams to have fun. 
I like both of these teams a lot. Um, so I don't know where I'm going. I'm my brain is is I look. It's like an abacus right now. Old school calculator, just picking and choosing which way to move the beads. But this, I I think this game is one of the most evenly matched championship games we've ever had in pro field lacrosse especially in a long time i think both of these teams match up really well against each other um they each do things differently in terms of just their play styles their matchups so deej with your final pick of 2022 Who's getting the nod? This one's tough. It's hard to pick chaos because of the year they had. But those are the boys. And it's the champ it's the championships, playoffs. None of the sh stuff they've gone through this year really matters at this point. But the water dogs have been falling. And I've said it over and over, on pod, off pod, to other people. It takes one game for them to get hot, and they have two under the belt right now. There's championship experience on both sides. But there is only PLL championship experience on one side. And there are... Six, six guys wearing red, black, and white this weekend that just lost a championship to a guy wearing purple, black, and white this weekend. They still remember that very, very much. And I, I have to lean chaos. Those are the boys. And... I've picked against them twice already this playoffs for other reasons. I have nothing to win here. I'm trying to help us out. I think chaos is the best thing possible for me to try and squeeze us down on my behalf to two games behind instead of instead of four. If I lose, if I lose, it's four. And well, hopefully that means you win and, and we even out because you'll be four games ahead of me. But hey, I like chaos because those are the boys. And after losing a championship, I don't see them losing twice to the same man. All valid points. And it's all been going through my my brain here of, of who to pick just in terms of pick sense. This is not a... Because like I said, I love so many guys on both of these teams that if either of them end up winning, I'm going to be thrilled. Um, it's also why I picked the over uh, on over and back. Um, like you said, there's 
There's PLL championship experience on that chaos squad. There's a revenge factor on that chaos squad. And they're so unpredictable that you don't know what chaos team is really going to show up this year. Not to say that they haven't been absolutely fantastic in the postseason. They've hit their stride when it matters. But also, like you said, the Water Dogs, it takes one game for them to get rolling. They had the longest win streak outside of the Whip Snakes, I believe. Or tied with the Whip Snakes, maybe. Uh, this season at five games. And I think, as, as weird as it sounds in a team sport, I think this Water Dogs team are collectively playing for Dylan Ward to add a PLL trophy to his his mantle against his former PLL team. So I think that also has to be taken into account. And simply just for the experience factor alone, I'm going to go with chaos think chaos have that pll experience factor but would it shock me if the water dogs hot streak continues it plays out dylan ward plays out of his mind the boy eli gobrecht and the rest of that defense play out of their minds hell no again that's why i like the over in this game as the number one solid pick to happen but i'm gonna go chaos to just stay even with you and solidify my my w play it a little safe but again you and i would both be thrilled with either team capturing a dub um i'm excited for all of our guys in this one but i'm gonna go with the the pll playoff experience is what kind of tipped the scale a little bit for me in the direction of chaos so we're both gonna take chaos and the 2.8 percent that way we don't get tweeted at either. <laughs> uh, but I give all of the water dogs permission to tweet at me if we are incorrect. I will take all the smoke. Um, but that is our, our final pick of the week. It is chaos taking home the trophy. Part of me, though, wants to see some variety on that trophy. And... and that's where it's it's so tough to remove so many feelings from it. But that's that's our PLL Philly final pick of the week presented by Pickup. It is tough. It, it's tough to really, like, put a definitive answer on this game like we did last week and, like, really just picking who we thought was going to win. When it's one game and it's so evenly met. Like, this is our toughest pick, I think, of the year. Like, I was going full-blown for the brand when I was picking the Mammoth to win games, and it just so happened to happen. There was no way in my mind I truly was like, oh, yeah, the Bandits are going to lose, you know, two out of three. Team is hungry for a title, and it just so happened to happen. That's what's so cool about lacrosse is it's stupidly unpredictable. So, again, it would not shock me if the Water Dogs pull this off and, and pull out the victory here. Um, and I'd be equally as thrilled for them as if, you know, chaos were to win as well. 
both teams. Like I said, I want them to have fun. Just go play and have fun, boys. That's where my mind is, truly. Fun will definitely be had this weekend. And, and yeah, I'm not opposed to either team winning. I think it'll be fun either way. Um, the celebration will be awesome. Either team that wins it will be worth it. Um, but, yeah, there definitely is a part of me that would like to see some variety, not only on the trophy, but just, you know, see what it's going to be like to see people talk about it on Twitter and Discord and, and see the fans react to it in person. Like, all of that comes into play. Yeah. And uh, I know you're all going to hate us for a stupid long episode, but we had to do championship week right. And on our way home from D.C., DJ and I were quite hungry. And we stopped at a place to add an exclusive do for us to review. So without any further ado, it's time for... Mountain Dew tickle your innards because there's a bang in every bottle. another Drake Porter do review. Uh, we got the Applebee's exclusive on deck. We just got back from DC. And, uh, you know, we already did that B-dubs one, so go check that out. But what, what was this flavor, Deech? This is the Mountain Dew Dark Berry Bash. I'm intrigued. I've saved, the, I've been to Applebee's, not a sponsor, a number of times. And if postponed trying this simply for this review so here we go applebee's exclusive dark berry bash well we got to talk about the the color first that blue is blueing into the, the like dark blue that looks like it's very reminiscent of uh the blue uh shirley temple from friendlies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very windexy which typically means it's gonna be good. I think it would. What are we thinking? Like blueberry, raspberry, like I'm hoping like raspberry, like a, like a mixed, blackberry, mixed berry mix. That's what mix I'm hoping for. Maybe a little strawberry zest in there. Let's see, we'll what, see we what we got here. Applebee's exclusive. Drake Porter do review. Shout out to the boy. some of that berry element from the buffalo wild wings one in there but it's more like that hits you first and then afterwards it's more berry filled after it's almost like what you would want pepsi blue to be or pepsi blue just straight up tastes like cola that's blue <laughs> this is what you expect in your brain I think this is a solid like eight seven. Okay. Eight, seven. Another sip to confirm. Eight seven. It's very good. I'm excited. I'm a big fan. This is something that I would get over and over and over again. Like 
very good. It needs to come out in bottle everywhere. I eh? love that. This is fantastic. Eight seven. A very good eight seven. All right, let's do this shit. Time for my half. The Drake Porter do review. I'm excited. Darkberry Bash here at the Applebee exclusive. Coming back from DC. Amazing weekend. Dogs win, chaos win. We're in Philly next weekend. KB gave it an eight cent. Had very good things to say about it. The color's fantastic. I can't tell which way you're leading. Going back for more, that's a good sign. <clears throat> they can't see the tear that's in my right eye right now, can they? That is such a tear of joy. This is so good. This is the blue raspberry Mountain Dew I've been waiting years for. So much better than Voltage. Oh, I'm Chris Bates right now. <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> this is hilarious, dog. All right. Wow. I'm gonna do something we haven't done yet. This is a nine. This is a nine. This is, a nine. this is the best Mountain Dew I've had to date. There it is. Nine flat. Nine flat. What's the what's the total now? Eight seven nine flat. It's a seventeen point seven. I mean, it's gonna be in the high eight. Math is hard. <laughs> So, calculator. Plus 8.85. So that's an 8.9. 8.9. That might be the highest ever. Or is that tied with something? Might be. We'll find out. Yeah. There it is. 8.9 overall. Now I'm wondering, though, if I gave Frostbite a nine. This blows frostbite out. Oh yeah, I might have to give this a ten. <laughs> like I'm, we might we might have been just hype on finding it. Our frostbite score might change, but this eight nine overall. There it is. Drake Porter do review. DJ's crying. I am. <laughs> this is immaculate. Nothing like a good old Drake Porter do review, especially when they're exclusive, and especially when they are as tasty as the one we had as we ate good in the neighborhood. Bro, you gotta stop using these slogans, man. Y'all just don't know the amount of comp company slogans this man drops me in a week. <laughs> Ridiculous. It was a good one. Great, great episode. Uh, last bit here, the end of year awards were announced. Shout out to Trevor Baptiste, the MVP. I uh I think I can reveal this now now that the awards are out. Uh I was fortunate enough and very humbled to be asked to be uh an end of year award voter uh for the PLL awards. So 
want to thank the league for giving me that opportunity. I did tweet out my ballot. Um, and mostly everyone I voted for ended up winning their respective award. Now, I did give the nod to um, Kira McArdle for Attackman of the Year. And I did give uh, Romar Dennis the Humanitarian Award nod. Um, but I'm not mad that Lyle won both of those. Absolutely deserved. Um, we'll see if Kieran, which I believe he will, will be a, a first-team All-Pro attackman this year. Rightfully so. And uh, shout-out to Romar. He's done fantastic things for you know, the Latino-American community um, in lacrosse and just in general. Um, that community has a, a special place in my heart for sure. Um, with just a lot of close family friends that I just consider family being of, uh, Latin American descent. So, uh, congrats to all the award winners, you know, Trevor MVP, Lyle attackman of the year, Tom Schreiber, midfielder of the year, JT Giles Harris, your defensive player of the year, Michael Earhart, the LSM of the year. Danny Logan, the short stick D midi of the year. Trevor winning face-off athlete of the year. Kyle Burnlor, your goalie of the year. Brendan Nickturn, the rookie of the year. Coach Sudan, your coach of the year. Eric Law, your sportsmanship award winner. Lyle Thompson, your humanitarian award winner. Brody Merrill, your teammate of the year award winner. And Jordan McIntosh, the leadership award winner. All of them. So well-deserved, so well-earned, and uh, couldn't be happier for all of those guys to take home those awards. Yeah, I wasn't surprised by anybody who was nominated. wasn't surprised by um, anyone who ended up winning. Um, it, it was some people who I felt, you know, got left off a of ballot per se, but, like, with the small number of – spots and all the talent in the league that's going to be expected every year eventually the league will get to a point where it's more open voting and you just vote for whoever you feel should have the position and they'll just go off of total number of votes and who has the most like it until then though we're going to be in this position where deserving guys are left out of the conversation and it is what it is but the guys who were in the conversation all deserved and so did the winners, and we'll see kind of when All Pro comes out if everybody there, in our opinion, um, got the deserving spots or if we felt like anybody got snubbed from that. But it was a phenomenal year all around, and individual awards are just that. They're for people who individually showed out. But, you know, the, the main goal is championship. So that's that's the thing we're still waiting on to see. Yeah. Uh, we got one more game. Philadelphia on Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. If you're going to be at Subaru Park, come say what's up. Uh, I'll also be at Media Day by the time you guys are listening or watching to this. So diving into all the media stuff. DJ will be there virtually because he flies in on Saturday. And uh, it's going to be a doozy of a weekend. Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Laxpod, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow me at KBIZZL311 on Twitter. Follow DJ at SCS underscore next great on Twitter. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Subscribe to the uh, podcast feed, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It goes a long way with helping more people find the show. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Full video episodes of OTB on the YouTube every single week. Smash that like button, click the bell icon, 
Comment down below your championship game predictions. And big thank you to our sponsors, Tom Shades Pickup, Kenwood Beer, and Bino Board. All of their information is linked in the show notes on audio and in the description on YouTube. This has been episode number 239 of the allegedly award-nominated, number nine ranked, and viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For DJ, Eli Gobrecht, Jack Rowlett, and Blaze Reardon, again, thank you to the boys for hopping on the show. I'm your boy KB. Until next week, we are signing the heck off. Peace. Peace. And that's outside the box.